The following podcast is brought to you by cdkoffers.com. Use offer code DIESHRING for 3% off everything on the website and Broken Silicon for 25% off all Windows codes. All right, on with the show. Welcome to Broken Silicon, a gaming hardware podcast. I am your host, Bad Boy Tom, the controversial tech tuber of YouTube, oh, which I guess shit. is a redundant tech tuber of YouTube. It's kind of, it doesn't really make sense. But uh, I'm, of course, your host, and I am joined by my co host, as he is always here every fortnight. And I will say every fortnight because during that PlayStation, they just had to have. They had to have a 10-second Fortnite trailer. Every presentation I see has to have a Fortnite trailer. Anyways, Fortnite Miner, I'll let him introduce himself. It's your boy, Dan. And, I mean, I'm just here to say I play Fortnite. I steal my parents' credit cards to buy uh, skins, so I'm glad it was there. Well, you don't, and people are going to think you're serious, Dan. <laughs> I don't do that. That's We've gained cool. like thousands of subscribers just in a week, so there's a bunch of people that don't know when you're being sarcastic, which is, if we're being honest, most of the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, there is a, I can count on my hand the amount of people that can comprehend what me and Dan are talking about when they walk into a room and we're just joking around. Like, I'd say Brock can, you know, one of our best friends. And I think our mom has figured it out by now that it's basically like, because we're brothers for those who don't know, it's almost like a combination of being sarcastic about things you're being sarcastic about at a certain point to where it's just all gibberish. I think any close brothers or sisters or family members will know what we mean. Yeah, it's very stupid. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'm not acting like I'm I'm not bragging. This isn't a flex. Uh, it's, It's very dumb. (laughs) (laughs) one of my favorite things is when people walk in while we're talking to go what on earth are you talking about (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's pretty cool but uh yeah so we're significantly less sarcastic here on the podcast but significantly less if you guys can believe it We, we really are he's not being sarcastic when he says that despite us being sarcastic all the time and i do want to bring that up again though i laughed during the playstation this is just a random thing to bring up in the beginning. That PlayStation, like, you know, the price reveal showcase, I uh, think that happened on the 16th. I laughed out loud when they just like shoehorned in a 10 second Fortnite ad because I was like, what are you? It was like 10 seconds long. It's like they just had to have it. Fortnite had to show up. It was an NVIDIA's presentation. I, and now it's in Sony's. It's going to be in everything. AMD is doing AMD? some weird marketing thing with Fortnite. <laughs> That's right. AMD showed the right, AMD show the big Navi in Fortnite first. Oh, we just can't avoid it, Dan. But I mean, pretty soon there will be pre- presidential debates in Fortnite. Oh my God, I was joking when I said that, but I don't think I am. I mean, I'm excited for that. <laughs> yeah, that's when we'll know we've reached peak ridiculousness in the modern era. That's when we know we were truly living in a satire reality. 
<laughs> which, which, which me and you agree on that. We do believe we're living in the weirdest timeline if there are multiple universes. Yeah. Um, but anyways, let's get into this. You know, I want to say a couple things right off the bat. Number one is, I know Dan's tired, but I'm exhausted. It has been a long week of covering news from, I mean, you know, the Xbox Series S at basically around the beginning of this week to PlayStation, RDNA 2, NVIDIA rumors, the Ampere reviews. Then, of course, they delayed the Ampere reviews to the same day there was a PlayStation 5 reveal. I mean, it's been nonstop craziness. So forgive us, we're a bit tired. And I guess on that note, this will, you know, this was recorded late on the 16th. So I guess maybe I'll add an update if I manage to get a 3080. I, I doubt I will. But, you know, that and I think also PS5 pre-orders open tomorrow too. So we'll just see. I think with the channel's gotten to the size where I should try to get a hold of certain things, you know, for the channel for testing that are like really big events. And I would consider those, you know, like the 3080 big enough that it's worth me looking into seeing if I can get. So maybe I'll add that later if I get it. But otherwise, yeah, the the folk the other thing I want to say is the focus of this will be, you know, Ampere, RDNA 2, and the PS5 reveal. We have pages of notes. And I realized at the last minute that we didn't have the NVIDIA buying ARM story, which, <laughs> yes, we want to be clear, it is a big story. <laughs> it's We're not skipping it because we don't think it matters. But I think, if we're being honest, Dan, if you'll remember about a month ago, we I think we said most of our real thoughts back yeah. when the rumors first popped up. And I always got a feeling the rumors were going to end up true. So if you want our opinions, it, it's the thumbnail where they're fighting over ARM on Jerry Springer. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that one. I mean, I mean, yeah. unless you have anything else to add to NVIDIA buying ARM, I mean, I think we can take a minute to talk about it at the start. I mean, to some degree, it's just I, I don't know really truly what to say about it. Uh, it's not super involved with the market we mostly talk about. I mean, it's obviously related, but I mean, I'm get, if my thoughts are it's this is probably mostly for server racks that they're going to be selling next year or whenever they actually acquire ARM. Yeah, right. And and this is something me and you talked about. So to recap what I believe I remember we said in that previous episode <laughs> a month ago, you know, we kind of said, you know, is this a good move? I was like, yeah, they need to be able to compete directly with AMD and Intel. And since then, we've talked about, you know, just well, you know, playing Minecraft or Borderlands. And we've, you know, me and you agree, I think that they need an option. You know, I think a lot of the high-end servers will be built using Epic plus NVIDIA graphics cards or mm -hmm. Epic plus AMD. But if they are, a lot of the time, from what I'm told, AMD is almost giving away these server-class GPUs with Epic. And Intel will have better data center cards eventually, probably. Like, we can doubt if Intel will compete. But if you're NVIDIA, do you really want to just hope Intel screws up? Like, if I was NVIDIA, I would feel threatened by both Intel and AMD's ability to just bundle graphics cards with their server CPUs. Mm -hmm. Maybe whatever they design on ARM won't be as good as AMD, and you know it's not x86, so that's a whole other discussion. But at the same time, I do believe NVIDIA needs a full enclosed product they can make where they don't rely on AMD or Intel in case AMD is giving away graphics cards, because NVIDIA needs to be able to have their own CPU solution to try to price match that type of a situation. Well, yeah, and if Intel decides, is essentially deciding they think they need to have their own insular ecosystem with both CPUs and GPUs. Um, yeah, NVIDIA's probably correct. They probably need to have their own solution to at least some degree. 
And so I think that's really all we think, you know, when it comes to the greater analysis, you know, what does this mean for Apple? What does this mean for, you know, I've, I've addressed a lot of that in that previous episode, and I don't want to get into it unless we have the time to really think about it enough, an appropriate amount. Otherwise, I feel like I don't want to be on those podcasts. It's just like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I think what we just said is our thoughts on it for now. And we'll, uh, this is going to take years for this whole acquisition to finish and the repercussions. So we have time to give you more opinions about NVIDIA buying ARM. We're not going to rush those out now. Yeah, I probably jumped the gun saying maybe even that they'll be in them, ser- their servers next year. This is a, what is it, like a $40 billion acquisition or something? Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, I, I said I thought they should do it when I heard the rumors first. I'm like, this is a logical thing for NVIDIA to do, and I'm not too worried. I think Apple can take care of themselves. I think Samsung can take care of themselves. I think these other companies can take care of themselves. I, I, I believe they may have struggles with NVIDIA taking this over, but they will figure it out. And that at least from NVIDIA's perspective, this allows them to compete directly with AMD and Intel easier in the future. So I guess let's move on then. Let's get into what we call the important questions, Dan. These are the weird questions we get sometimes in the mailbag that I just throw out first for us to warm up. So the first one comes from Big Lamb. He says, when will we see fresh fish added to the Moore's Law's dead store? It seems wasteful that Dan throws out all these poor defenseless fish he murders time for Dan to feed the MLID. So for those who don't know, though, Dan is a genetics researcher. You notice I slowed down because I, frankly, barely understand what you do, Dan. Let's be honest. That's Um, why I say I kill fish because I don't feel like (laughs) explaining it. (laughs) Yeah, but a lot of your experiments involve experiments on fish. And so you just, so we open a lot of episodes by asking how many fish or frogs have you killed today? And Half of the episodes, you're like 10 or 20. <laughs> <laughs> that number is about to go down significantly. I'm cha- I am changed labs, so... But it, so, to, to address Big Lamb, right, I don't think these are fish you want to eat. <laughs> it didn't happen to me, but I've been told a lot of people throw up the first time they go into these fish rooms because they smell so bad. Mm. So, yeah, you don't want to eat these. <laughs> these are not like salmon. You're not they're, experimenting on salmon. These are like little... Like minnows. Think minnows. Like minnows with like screwed up backs half the time, I'm guessing. Eh, Actually, surprisingly few screwed up backs. White Bomb writes in and he says, will Lisa Sue finally put the 5700 XT in a blender and pull Big Navi out of a microwave? He's, of course, referencing Jensen always pulling uh, or usually pulling Ampere cards out of the oven to unveil them, which I think is funny. I think his response to it has been pretty great. Like he makes... He he makes uh, the fact that he's doing the conferences in his house like part of the bit. So I like yeah. that. <laughs> and I yeah. think Lisa Sue should pull a, a 6,800 or 6,900 out of a microwave. Great idea. Yeah, and she can just take the 5,700 XT and go, sorry about those hardware bugs we pretended there never were any of and just throws it in a blender. <laughs> but just so people don't know, there were some pretty bad hardware bugs in the initial run of 5,700 XTs based on what I'm told. I believe... They effectively patched them out for the most part, but that was a large part of the driver issues, just so people know. Mm. Yeah. Anyways, let us get to the corrections and omissions. And of course, again, if you guys support us on Patreon, you can write in for corrections and omissions uh, to make sure we're not overly full of shit all the time. Sayonara writes in and says, regarding broken Silicon 64, I should have been clearer. I actually agree with you when it comes to saying the Intel graphics lineup as Z instead of XE. The official pronunciation of XE is XE 
X to the E, though, maybe he means. It'll never catch on. Um, and then a shrugging emoji. Uh, yeah, I think I'm just going to insist on saying Z. Unless, I don't know. I, what do you think, Dan? I'm going to say it how it's spelled. <laughs> and it's spelled X-E. It's <laughs> usually Z. spelled in articles X-E. But you could argue in their slides it's spelled X to the E. Which I'm never going to say. That looks repeatedly, And I'm going to call it Z. Intel hater confirmed. VI Pass writes in and says, I think it's time to stop tooting your Radeon 7 as close to a 2080 Super in performance in your videos as you have in the past, as it seems the Radeon 7 did not age well in gaming. According to the latest Radeon 7 benchmarks versus the 2080 and 1080 Ti on a hardware unboxed. Well, I actually watched that um, VI Pass, and honestly, all I saw is they still trade blows. The 2080 Super is like 5% better, and I've undervolted and slightly overclocked my Radeon 7. It performs about 5 to 10% better than a standard Radeon 7. So in some ways, that's what I mean. And in other ways, honestly, I've said this before multiple times. But I think it's still reflected in the GPU hierarchy chart on our website, which I think I need to update now, of course, with Ampere cards, that I think in all of these, you know, 5700 XT... 2070 Super, 2080, 2080 Super. You know, these are all 8 gigabyte cards with, you know, around the same amount of performance. They're within 20%. Um, and I, I would consider the Radeon 7 pretty much in that same class. You can argue which one's better, but it depends on the game. And 1080 Ti, you know, all of these cards I consider around the same performance. I don't mean they're literally the same. And we'll get to this in uh, some comments from the internet I want to address later. But like, like a 10, 20% performance difference, especially when one card still wins in plenty of games, I don't think that's a big difference, personally. Yeah. And, and, and you know, that's something we've consistently said. So, VIPast also writes in and says, Xbox Game Pass business model. I, um, let me see. I think your oversimplified the business model doesn't show the full scale of where developers and Microsoft will make a majority of the money. I was talking about I think the last Broken Silicon where I discussed how I have concerns about their ability to fund a sufficient amount of AAA games, uh, with it, you know, unless they get a ton of popularity and uh, Xbox All Access. He goes, the Game Pass fees will basically cover the cost to run the platform and a small steady income for developers that place their content into Game Pass. Mm, no, but Microsoft is still publishing these games. They're still funding hundreds of millions of dollars in development that used to get made up for through 60 and soon $70 game sales. So that's just not true. You know, like Netflix eventually does need to be solvent with all yeah. those shows they're producing, guys. <laughs> you can't just say like it's, yeah, I, mean, I don't know if you have any other things to say about that part of the comment, Dan. Uh, I think there's, you can't really draw a full conclusion until he finishes the statement because Okay, well, I'll continue then. He says, there are still DLCs that can be purchased from the base game, microtransactions, and in-game currencies. The games are not necessarily permanently on the Game Pass either, as they do rotate games out and offer the chance to purchase at a discount. So if you discover, yeah, but are they wrote like have they rotated out Gears of War? I don't think. I think their plan is to keep those on there forever, unless I'm wrong. Uh, I'm not sure if they have or not. That would that might not be a bad idea. Is like keep it on there for three months or something, and then rotate it out. That well, I mean, like, what else could we look right? Let me see here. Release date. Okay, so over a year ago. Yeah, no, I uh, see, but I even rotating it out, the majority of the money is made in, frankly, the first month of sales. 
So, oh yeah, definitely. You know, um, but let me continue. As they do rotate games out and offer the chance to purchase at a discount. So if you discover a game you really enjoy and want to keep it, you end up purchasing so you can continue to enjoy this game. Microsoft will get their small cut of transactions just like any game store. Um, I mean, that's not... I, 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 Again, I think what I would say about Xbox Game Pass is I've said it's a great deal that they should make it core to their business model, which they clearly are doubling down on doing that now. And that that's what I think. But that my reservations about long-term, if they can afford it, are just reservations. It doesn't mean I'm sure they can't. And the other thing I would be concerned about because it is the limiting of of the uh, potential budget for games with this business model because right there is a prohibitive number of people that are interested in buying it like it's not going to increase forever the amount of subscribers they have so eventually you're going to hit a cap for how much you can charge how much you can really budget a game now if they make a ton of money in the back end which i never do microtransactions i do dlcs but Maybe they're, it's completely solvent if they're making tons off of skins and microtransactions. I mean, Fortnite's made billions and billions of dollars yeah. off of microtransactions. So maybe this is a blind spot for me, too, because I just don't see the value in those what I view as worthless products. <laughs> yeah, I guess what me and what I would emphasize is there's no point where I think I in no way think that this won't work for sure or that it can't work, or that it's a bad idea. I think it's a good idea. I just think not enough people are thinking about the repercussions of what that could mean, right? That, mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying. Um, and I mean, we're going to have a lot more to say about it in the coming months. It's still pretty early. I, I noticed today in, our, in the Discord, actually, a lot of people debating what the price is, because apparently it just went up, I guess. You know? Which I, I don't subscribe really to any of these services on any of these platforms. I don't, you know, not PS Now or any of this. I, I'm old school in the fact that on console, I like buying the disc based versions still. Obviously, I haven't done that on PC for, I don't know, years, probably decade, over a decade for sure. Probably a decade at least. Frankly, almost my whole life has been not getting the disc version for PC, but I still do like owning it as well. You know, I but so so I'm just very much in the camp of like, you know, GOG, I want to own my games, even if you can argue I really don't still, you know, I'm very much in that camp. So that's worth understanding yeah. as well. And I never pretend that's not what I think, you know. And I am curious what they'll charge for it, especially if I'm, I'm not remembering if this is confirmed, but I, I think it I think that's what they're going to do is they're going to end up putting them into one service, Xbox Gold and Games Pass. And I'm curious what they'll charge for that. And removing one of them, you mean? Yeah, just removing the option. And maybe they'd even charge something like $180 a year for it. I don't know. Well, I think I've heard, you know, it depends on the tier, right? But yeah, if it was $15 a month for times 12, that's what that would mean. Yeah, and I mean, that's not on its face a bad deal. If you buy three games a year, you're breaking even on that. (laughs) So, yeah. All right, so I think it's time for us to get into the Ampere coverage a bit here. So we have a reader mail from Potatoes Are Life, and he says, with how inefficient Ampere is and how mediocre the performance uplift was, so he's telling us right away what he thinks of Ampere, (laughs) he goes, do you feel that this could be a Vega moment for NVIDIA? There are some parallels I noticed. One, overhype, NVIDIA said that they will double 2080 performance, and it is a good time for Pascalians to upgrade. 
<laughs> Pascalians is a name for Pascal owners. And reality performance was far short of this. For AMD, they overhyped Vega hard. Think, uh, yeah, I mean, the Vega overhype was insane. I honestly don't even know what they were thinking. Um, it goes number two, they are compute cards, not really a gaming architecture. Number three, they consume a lot of energy. And both tried to sacrifice efficiency for ultimate gains. Well, I think there's a lot of differences. And again, the Ampere reviews are just out. So I think our opinions and overall looking back on Ampere thoughts will change over the next couple of months, right? You know, we're just still kind of in the afterglow of it launching. I mean, it hasn't even really launched yet, (laughs) technically. (laughs) Um, But at the same time, you know, they're like Vega, I, you know, I'll get into it later, but like, even if you compare it to Vega, the Vega 64 used about 300 watts and it did exceed the Fury's performance by about what, 30, 40%. I honestly don't remember that well, guys. Um, like somewhere to 20 to 40%, I believe. Okay. Well, Ampere is not, you know, Ampere uses way more energy for the performance uplift it brought. So even if you compare it to Vega, I think it's not unfair to say, I don't know that the I, I don't know that the efficiency is even I think it's worse the efficiency change compared to Vega and that it's it's literally the same efficiency as Turing guys. I, I did like some quick math and I would need to look at more benchmarks to confirm it, but like yeah, the performance is pretty much Turing. I mean, p- performance, performance per watt, watt is pretty yeah. much the same. It's just oh yeah, we pumped a hundred. 30 more watts and then now you get 130 more watts of performance like that yeah and of course you're not talking about the 3080 you're talking about like the 3090 yeah whatever yeah Yeah. um but yeah so let me see here i'm going to continue this though and depending on how well ampere scales down they both could be decent low power options this well yeah i don't again uh, amp uh, uh vega was built to have the small dies not take up a lot of space and have decent performance and then also for data center when you overclock it and then gaming was just kind of forgotten as the third or fourth most important thing that's what vega's problem was vega's you know performance per watt was pretty good in ter- in data center it just didn't translate to gaming i mean mm-hmm. you know at the same on ROPs as the fury i mean you know um but anyways i i'm going to stop reading this he said oh he goes would you say ampere parallels vega or fair me more um, honestly, I'd say Fermi for sure. It's almost yeah. directly comparable to Fermi. I think, I think there's a lot of differences between Vega, both good and bad. You know, at least Ampere brought the gaming performance. Vega really didn't. Yeah, my immediate thought is Fermi too. I guess we won't know until more shakes out because once again, this is day one of us actually knowing what Ampere is. So Yeah, but l- let us get into it. Story number one which is kind of a mashup of multiple reviews. And I titled story number one, Ampere is oddly what exactly what we expected. And yet that kind of disappoints me. So quoting here from, I believe, Hardware Unboxed, I go, currently RTX 2080 owners targeting high refresh rates at 1440p will see a 50% performance boost, which is still sweet. And I have to emphasize this. He said 2080, not 2080 Ti, guys. The fact that the 3080 simply excels at 4K gaming could be seen as the cherry on top. But it doesn't necessarily future-proof the GPU, as NVIDIA paired it with 10 gigabytes of VRAM, which might prove insufficient in a year or two. Though PCI 4.0 will be a lot more useful in mitigating those performance losses in modern platforms. Anyway, NVIDIA has upped the ante on this generation, but at the same time, they've arguably given AMD an opportunity to strike with a gaming-focused architecture. However, we'll just have to wait and see 
on that one. So that's from Hardware Unbox. And it's interesting, he came to basically the same conclusion I did, which I have a a lot to say, actually, to some people uh, just copying and pasting things from other reviews in the comments, uh, trying to teach me something. But before we get into the specifics, you know, let me, I guess let me say one thing for me first, which is just, you know, the performance is what I thought it would be, except that there's a couple differences. The ray tracing is not what I expected. It seems like tensor memory compression isn't really a thing. So I guess that info is bad, which I just admit, right? Um, at least, it, it, at the very least, I don't expect it to be any uh, big of a deal as I thought it would be if it is real. And at the same time, well, I reported that 1080p and 1440p scaling would be way worse. I didn't think 1440p would su- would not gain as much as, you know, right? Yeah. Like, basically, if you think about it, in 4K, it's a bit above 30%. But a bit above 30% is different than 35 and then the you know 1440p being like 28%. That's not what we saw. What we have seen is it's like 32% in 4K. Although I believe Steve at Gamers Nexus said it was closer to 25%, guys. And 1440p was closer to 20%. And some outlets have told me it's less, you know, average less than 20. And 1080p, frankly, is almost a wash, which... You can, I think 1080p is irrelevant to these GPUs, so I'm not going to dwell on 1080p. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, but it still uses that much more energy while running 1080p, which is bizarre to me. And in 1440p, there's plenty of games where you're not even getting over 100 frames a second. And I think we should have hoped in those games, you know, maybe the gain isn't as much on average in 1440p, but I would have hoped you get in 1440p on average more than 25%, like 20% more than the 2080 Ti. Which, again, a lot of people are misquoting a lot that it's the 2080 Ti when it's really just the 2080 that's like 50 to 65% better. Um, but yeah. anyway, so that's just what I want. That's that's why at the same time, the performance is about what I expected. And yet there are these little differences that make me very underwhelmed, as I said in the video. Um, I don't know. What did you think, Dan? We didn't talk about this at all before the reviews came. I mean, before we recorded. I think one way to one way to say it is a lot of the times, like the numbers that you see on paper, like not on pa- the number you see on paper, the number that's reported is it's like this much better. The way they phrase it makes it sound like it's a bigger difference than it really is when you realize, oh, this is just on average 30 percent better performance in 4K, which I mean, that's appreciable. But I think I said my, in my largely positive opinion of the Ampere unveiling initially, um, the one thing I was let down by was the uh, RAM. And ultimately, that's going to be the biggest problem with uh, Ampere in a year or two is the 3080 isn't going to fucking run games at 4K with 10 gigabytes of RAM. or it will, Unless you turn down to- settings, but is that really what you want to do in the only resolution it's good at? Like in 4K, I mean, uh, 1440p, it was only like 20% better than the 2080 Ti. In some games, like I think Flight Simulator, it was pretty much a wash. I think it was like 48 Mm. versus 44 frames per second in 4K. I mean... Yeah, that's just not good enough, right? It's not as consistent as you would have hoped. Yeah. And it's like, it's a... What I'm seeing is it's a decent generational leap as far as generational leaps go. I think it's probably even better than average, especially with what we've had from from recent years um it's a good generational leap when you compare it to others but it also took i think almost exactly two years so it was two years and we get a 30 percent uh performance uplift that's not that huge especially when you consider 
almost all of that performance just comes from higher energy usage. Yeah, I know. Uh, So there's a lot of things to address here. The first one is, and this is probably the most copy-pasta canned argument. I will say my, my NVIDIA RTX 3080 underwhelming video that came out on the 16th. I Like I say in the video, I pre-recorded 90% of it and pre-edited it the night before. And then I expected, I was still hoping to wake up to, oh, it turns out it is 40% better than the 2080 Ti. But that's not what happened. And in fact, Gamers Nexus found it weaker than I expected. And a lot of you are quoting Gamers Nexus as saying, this is why it's a great card. The guy who found it less than 30% better in 4K, as far as I can tell here. So... The canned argument I'm seeing about Steve at Gamers Nexus, which, I mean, we love his channel, you know, addressing that 10 gigabytes is enough. I think there's this misconception where people think I'm saying 10 gigabytes won't work. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I don't buy a $700 or as I've covered and we'll cover more in the upcoming stories in this podcast. I or It's going to be more than 700. It's going to be 800 guys. Trust me. I don't consider an $800 card worth it if it has enough RAM. Like, that's ridiculous with how much you're spending on this. And this just shows you, and this is my honest opinion, how whipped the PC gamer space is by NVIDIA into thinking this is a big deal. When what they did is they had the 1080 Ti for $700 founders. You could get some cards for less than $700 for a while. And then they reduced it to 8 gigabytes with the 2080 at a price increase, and all of a sudden people are like, we're not even back to 11 gigabytes for 700. 10 gigabytes is the holy grail all of a sudden. It's not. You know, Mm -hmm. 8 gigabytes wasn't enough. 10 gigabytes is treading water over 8 gigabytes. For this card to be a true 4K gaming beast, I expect it to have more RAM than plenty of cards have had for less money for years. Yeah, I, I wish the 3080 had at least 16 gigabytes of RAM. I would say at least 12. I mean, I was hoping they would give it 12 gigabytes, frankly. Yeah, I, and it's just so weird, like seeing, so your new flagship card has less RAM than your previous flagship card? I mean... Yeah, like, I'm sorry, like, what? and again, I'm not saying it's going to bottleneck it in all games right now. I'm saying I don't buy a flagship card for this much money to have enough. I buy a flagship card to have more than enough. And if you will notice what they've done is they've eliminated the $1,200 11 gigabyte option. And now they're going to make you, you know, pay up. Do you want the 3090 or do you want the one that doesn't have enough RAM long term? Now they will bring out the 20, uh, the 3080 20 gigabyte, but I know they're going to charge $1,000 for that, guys. So. Like, what do you want to do? You know, yeah. and, and I mean, that's kind of worth it, I guess. But then it's like, okay, you know, same price as a 2080 Ti years, two years later, and it's still, now it has enough RAM. I mean, it's better. Ampere is way better than Turing, but to suggest that there aren't clearly some shortcuts here, I am underwhelmed. This isn't some insane uplift in performance. This is in line and they're charging what they should have when for years they were overcharging. Congrats. You finally charged the correct price. (laughs) Right. Again, you know, and, 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 and so let me just be very clear again about my point. I'm not saying it's not enough Ram. I'm saying it's only barely enough 
for what you would get for this level of performance. And it's going to be ridiculous that it could you there will be games next year, probably even this fall that bought that have options that use more than 10 gigabytes of VRAM. There are, there are guys. I already have games that do. Like, what are you talking about? Like, like uh, uh, this is something uh, TechSpot found multiple games right up against that 10 gigabyte. It, it's like, or, and then what is your argument? You just want them to not increase textures? So you, I mean, it's just, I don't know. It, it's enough, but I don't think enough is something to celebrate when I know they're going to jack up prices in October, which is an article I wrote that we'll get to, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I know people call us fanboys for saying that, but it's like, I said in my video, I think $700 for the Founders Edition is a good price. I'm just telling you, I would not buy it for more than $750 or something. Yeah, and it's like, I, I, I don't know. I was getting a bit excited about Ampere a couple, like a month ago. It looked like it might be really good, but I don't know. It you looks you like can listen to our past episodes. Me and you are very enthusiastic. It looks adequate now, and I mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what RDNA 2 yet is going to be for sure. So maybe I'll also just find RDNA 2 adequate. We'll see. Right. And if we do, we will say that, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I do want to address a couple of things before we move on. So I think that video I put out saying the 3080 reviews are underwhelming um, went mainstream because it has a ton of just a boatload of views right now. But a lot of downvotes and comments that are clearly, I'm going to be honest, from people that I don't know. Let me read some of these comments because I don't want to pretend like I'm hiding anything. I'm going to address a few comments from YouTube now. So, and these are ones that I found tons of duplicates of this, basically. So this is a lot of people saying these things. Like the like, so someone talks about how, you know, bandwidth and, but then someone replies to him, okay, 25 to 30% is a pretty standard generational leap. This is still good then. No, 25 to 30% after two years and increasing power usage by 30% is not a standard generational leap. When they went to Turing, it increased performance overall by about 30%, 35% over the previous gen, but it only increased power usage by about 10%. And that was on the same node, right? And they added ray tracing as much as we thought it was a gimmick. At least there was something there. What I'm seeing with Ampere is 30% more power usage and 30% more performance per tier. That's pretty bizarre. I mean, and you know, the 3090 is going to use a boatload of energy for the, a boatload more performance. But again, this is not a standard generational leap. Yeah. You know, I think even Fermi increased efficiency more over the previous gem. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. I, I mean, it did. So, you know, you can laugh at Fermi all you want. Let me see. So, so this guy, Quentin, goes from YouTube. Well, compared to the results I'm seeing, you're completely wrong as understanding how GPUs use VRAM. GPUs allocate VRAM they need. And so again, he just like copy-paste what Gamers Nexus said. And he says, also in almost every game, the 3080 will have double the FPS as the 2080 Ti. That's funny. Because Gamers Nexus, who you're copy-pasting, said more like 25%. The amount of people that are saying 2080 Ti when it's actually the 2080 they're comparing it to. This was the best decision NVIDIA's ever made. Or the... Or I don't know. Dan, the know, amount like, of... I want to be clear. The amount of comments I've seen where people are saying, so what? It's not 80% better than the 2080 Ti. It's still 70% better. So many people 
are misreading 2080 as 2080 Ti. This is the most brilliant move by NVIDIA ever to only let you compare it to that, basically. And I'm curious if some of these people are misreading the 2070 Super as the 2080 Ti. Like, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Double the Because it's not even double. I know it's not even double the 2080 Ti. What are you what are you talking about here? Like you I don't know if you're going to try to correct someone's math, maybe double check your own math for too. <laughs> well, that's again. And so Phantom Planet X says we've already seen 10 gigabytes is enough for 4K. Again, I know it's enough now, but this is the like it's basically useless to get this graphics card for 1080p and it's only a 20 percent increase in 1440p. Uh, guys, I don't think just having enough for 4K is a good is a good thing when a new console generation is about to launch with tons of RAM. I mean, this is a good argument if um, you're one of the people that buys the flagship product every year. That's a good argument if you're the person that does that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, he goes on to say, and this has been proven by reputable sources like Digital Foundry. Hot. (laughs) You know, the, the, the people that literally said NVIDIA paid for this showcase after the Ampere announcement. Well, yeah, so it's... Reputable. reputable, right? God, yeah. I wish I could get paid off by NVIDIA and then be called reputable. When we get there, Dan, those will be the days. <laughs> uh, the deleted 117 goes, remember, NVIDIA's memory streaming speed is way faster. Therefore, they don't need large memory. Yeah, they do. <laughs> I mean, that's, we'll... not, that's what people said about the Fury. They said the Fury X, because it's HBM and has so much bandwidth, is going to be fine. You know, even Vega, if you start using with, even though Vega has high bandwidth cash, if you start using more than 12 gigabytes or 13 gigabytes on the uh, Vega 64, there's stuttering. Like, they're even with high bandwidth cash. And by the way, guys, RTX IO isn't out yet. It's not supported in any games, and it probably won't be until late next year. Yeah, and we'll see how much of a thing RTX IO actually is. And if RTX IO is supposed to use tensor compression, correct? I mean, hopefully. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, I, I've heard from developers that that's actually not that capable. So I think I'm done reading some of these comments. It's just a lot of, you know, it's a, it's just a lot of that. And I, I don't know what to tell you guys. Like, I'm just going, let me see here. What was the last thing? Oh, yeah, this is the last one I did want to read. Why is Moore's Law so obsessed with power consumptions? It's the benchmarks that matter. No, I'm not obsessed with power consumption. I just think it's fair to point out that this thing literally isn't more efficient than a 12 nanometer card. And that's insane. Also, once again, this is going back to another argument. This is this is a great card to buy if you want to buy a custom water cooling system every time you upgrade your graphics card. Cool. Which so, sure. If you like doing that, that's fine. I'm not insulting you if you like doing that. But that's saying this isn't a problem because I do the thing that one out of 200 people do is completely ignoring the other 99.5% of the DIY market. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Right. And I think it's, it's good this is launching over a winter where people will be inside <laughs> a lot because they'll say it's heating my house. So that's cool. But I don't, you guys, I've done like um, 7970 Crossfire. And I and I've done, you know, I've done mining because I had them for mining and other things, you know, so I've done I've had some I've I had a uh, a BIOS modded Fury Nitro that used about 320 watts. Those cards 
Like you can say power usage doesn't matter, but the heat's got to go somewhere, guys. And, and, and again, I don't have any problem with 300 watt cards or whatever, but the problem I have in Gamers Nexus also showed this, guys, is that the overclocking wasn't really good unless you could get it to use over 370 watts. So I, I, a lot of the premium AIB models I know use 400 watts. I'm just saying, I think you're underestimating how much heat is going to be dumped into some rooms. That's all I'm saying. You can say you don't care, but we'll see if you care. <laughs> I mean, a space heater, I've just looked it up. A space heater on average uses about 1500 watts. So with this computer, you will have half a space heater in your just running in your uh, running uh, all of your computer tasks. And I'm not saying you need to care about that. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying I have very, I think, reasonable questions now about how well these can translate into laptops and other products when this is yeah. how much energy it uses. The reason I bring up 30% more performance for 30% more power usage so much isn't because I wouldn't make that trade most of the time. I would. <laughs> the point is that's not impressive from a technological point of view. Yeah. That's my only point. And I've, I've frankly, I don't know if I've ever seen this after a no drink in my life. Yeah, all you proved is you can make a machine that doesn't break <laughs> with more energy put into it. And Again, in know. my life, I've never yeah. seen this in my life. Vega used about 20% more energy than the Fury X will definitely giving you more than that, more performance. You know, I I've never seen this in my life where it's, it's literally just like almost worse efficiency. Well, and that's my other problem. After a node shrink. Is in that, in their slides they showed, they showed a performance <laughs> per watt. Okay. They said 90% more. Again, I, th yeah, I forgot. Yes. Someone did break that down, and it was like the most insane, like cherry pitch comparison between like a wildly inefficient Turing card and like some super niche Ampere card. Oh, okay. Because it's like, I, I don't even know. I couldn't remember the exact number, but I was thinking, where did they even generate that figure from? Or are yeah. all of their figures, I'm guessing they're all just generated from different samples so you can get. So you can get the best looking thing from an amalgamation of different <laughs> like, oh, yeah, we cherry picked this incredibly inefficient Turing and this really efficient uh, Ampere. To, and then we're going to tell you that's the general uplift in performance. It's like that. And well, that's just a lie then at some point. And I want to be clear about this, too, because there's a lot of people who just want to be excited when a new thing comes out. And that's where the downvotes come from. They're mad. I'm saying something about a thing they want to buy. But. I don't know. Look, guys, I'm just going to be honest. You know, I, I'm just, I have to be honest that this isn't what NVIDIA promised. It is yeah. not twice as efficient. It is not double the 2080. And I think if they just wouldn't have overpromised, like, I think this is the big point here. If they just wouldn't have overpromised, I don't think I would have any underwhelming or any concerns whatsoever, right? Their own cherry picked benchmarks, as I demonstrated in a video. We're not double the 2080. And then we find out the final performance is even like that. those cherry-picked benchmarks that also disagreed with what they said were more cherry-picked than I even thought they were. So uh, if they would have just said the 3080, 30% better, you know, greater than 30% performance uplift over 2080 Ti and, you know, all these other features, no one would be complaining. But instead, they're way over-promising. And I mean, Linus Tech Tips literally opened with that point too. Like, I don't understand... None of us would be complaining if you hadn't overpromised. And, and again, I think it's all about they want you to buy these up. They want they want there to be 
a frenzy to get these in October once prices are jacked up, as we'll cover soon. And it, I think it's because they have to do this because they know RDNA 2 could be a big threat. Yeah. All right. So the Stick Bug Syndicate writes in and says, Hey, Tom, do you think the resale value of the 3080 Founders Edition is going to be north of 850 Yeah, I do. So, and that's why I said, I think get the Founders Edition for sure. Because even if you decide you don't want it eventually, pretty sure it's going to hold its value over this winter, guys, on the used market. Well, yeah. And I mean, scalpers, I th- I imagine you're going to find some $850, $950 ones in a, <laughs> uh, in a couple weeks by scalpers. Or wait, when does it actually launch? Oh, uh, it'll be out by the time this goes live. Okay. I, I wasn't sure if there was a delay, ma- bigger delay between reviews or not. But yeah, you'll see. I'm sure you'll see new ones that expensive on eBay relatively soon. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, Karaj writes in and says, performance to power ratio of Ampere has barely moved past Turing. With RDNA 2 significantly improving efficiency, Can AMD be, could AMD dominate the laptop GPU market along with the CPUs they can bundle with them this generation? Yes. Yeah. And I think, you know, Adored pointed that out in a recent video he did that this is a golden opportunity for AMD to take laptop market share and if you think about it, this is at the same time they'll be launching Zen 3 APUs and stuff like that. You know, RDNA 2 launches on desktop late this year, then server, I believe. And then they should have laptop cards early next year, right around when Zen 3 uh, CPUs are going into laptops and all these other, you know, APUs we've discussed. You know, I mean, how many are there at this point? What? Cezanne, Van Gogh, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. There's a billion of them. You know, I think this is, right? I, I think this is a golden opportunity for AMD. Uh, I mean, yeah, this is their time to try to take some of the market if they can. We'll we'll see. I mean, I'll also, we'll see. I, maybe they'll be able to get some super low uh, power usage products from Ampere. But yeah, yeah, I think there's a definite chance. Yeah, and I mean, like I said in the Discord, I can't wait to see how AMD screws this up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so story number Two, NVIDIA GeForce RTX 3080 Ethereum Dagger Hashimoto Mining Performance. So I'm quoting from video cards. In the output screen, the card reaches around 81 mega hash per second in Ethereum mining. With memory overclocked to the maximum, the hash rate increased to 84 to 89 mega hash. This is at 100% power limit. We attach values for other power limits below. So the reason I put this in here is there's a big concern about another mining boom happening because of Ampere. And I just got to say that what I saw wasn't impressive at all. It doesn't seem any more efficient at mining than the Radeon 7, which you could get for less for year, for year, you know? So I'm not too concerned about it. Of course, Radeon 7s aren't really sold anymore and they're kind of commanding a high price on the used market. But, you know, I'm not, and I've heard someone say they could get it to 150 mega hash. It's like, yeah, I don't know. I'm just going to say if there's a mining boom, it's not because of Ampere. I'm, I'm not too worried about it, you know? I mean, yeah, unless I, I don't think this is optimized at all for Ampere yet. So maybe you'll get something bigger out of this. But I mean, yeah, it's getting the same performance unoptimized as a how old's the Radeon 7 at this point? Is it? Well, years? technically, it's based on a card from 2018. That's true. Right. And then they sold it early 2019 to gamers in like crazy small numbers. Yeah. So it, it's strong. It's as good as a year and a half old card. I don't see how that starts a new mining boom. Yeah. Um, and again, with HBM cards, when you underclock them, they can become crazy efficient too. Yeah. You know, um, like the floor in um, undervolting perform- uh, efficiency gains is lower on HBM cards, is how I would put it. Um, oh, wait. No, we have reader mail here. Cajun Canuck goes, 
What would you peg the teraflop inflation rate at it with Ampere? <laughs> well, I mean, if we're being honest, I think I said this, like a Ampere teraflop in terms of gaming performance, as far as we can tell, is about two-thirds as valuable as a Turing one. There's no way around it. You know, the 2080 Ti is a 13 and a half teraflop card, and it's, you know, 3080 is like 30% better with 30 teraflops over double. They yeah. both boost far above their rated boost speeds anyway, so that's not really an argument. So, I mean, yeah, if you put it that way, it's quite a bit less. <laughs> yeah, Quite a lot of inflation right there. Um, all right, story number three. NVIDIA Big Ampere 48 gigabyte graphics card leak. Now, this comes from, and I tweeted this out, I have information on Quadro cards. I also have sources connected to these Quadro cards saying that representatives have confirmed that NVIDIA is at least planning or has planned to launch a Titan version of the Quadro. What I would say, though, is that that doesn't mean you should assume it's there. Just because you have Quadro reps saying there's a consumer version doesn't mean it'll ever come out, right? Yeah. But I do believe NVIDIA is holding that in the event AMD launches a surprise 80 compute unit HBM2 RDNA 2 card, right? Yeah. I see no reason why they would launch this until then. Um, but anyways, I did a little write-up for the leak I put out. There's a video in the description, guys, if you want to watch it. Uh, Emma, Moore's Law is dead, a tech tuber controversial for recording accurate numbers with a disregard for fanboys' feelings, leaked early details <laughs> on both Quadra 6000 cards and a potential Titan 48 gigabyte on September 13th. In short, the professional variants of GA102 use far less energy, largely due to foregoing almost experimental GDR6 memory, and also utilize an interesting blower fan that pulls in air from both sides of the graphics card. It must be emphasized that the Quadro 6000 reportedly boosts a tad higher than the RTX 3090 while keeping a TDP of around 300 watts. So that is, they are definitely giving the best versions to the professional market. I mean, did you have any thoughts on this leak? I um not too many. I mean, they always have the best for the professional market, right? <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, but this seems like a way bigger difference than usual. Yeah, that's true. I mean, and forty-eight gigabytes—that's uh, well, I don't know. Forty-eight gigabytes—that's about how much they the like quadro cards. They usually have a lot more RAM than the uh, consumer cards, don't they? Yeah. Now, the, now I want to address this too. So actually, let's get to a reader mail right away. So 0x000FF4, which I believe is a Windows error code, uh, writes in and says, as you have stated in your tweet, Quadro, but a Titan is coming, baby, which was a follow-up tweet I did when someone asked. Uh, he goes, there will be a Titan variant, as I thought. Well, there could be a Titan variant. There's definitely a very real opening for it, is what I would say. Again, you can't assume. There could have been a 2080 Ti Super. They just never decided to release one. Yeah. Also, how ridiculous would that name be? 2080 Ti Super. I mean, but he continues, I'm very excited for this card, but can you give us more details? Price, memory, CUDA cores. Well, you know the CUDA cores. It was like, I think it was 10,752, I think I remember. You know, double what the top SM count would be, which I found interesting when I leaked this. So many people, Dan, were like, I thought the 3090 was the full die. And I'm like, when on earth did you get that perception? I mean, everyone knows that the full die was 84SM, so I don't know where this, you know, but that surprised me. So to answer your question, you know, you're like 2% more cute, of course. It'd probably boost a bit higher if they gave yields that were that good to the Titan, although they probably wouldn't, honestly. Probably be yields in between the Quadro and the 3090 in terms of boosting. Um, and... Now, a lot of people said, well, that means that there's no point in this because it won't be good for gamers with GDR6. And I'm like, well, wait a second, guys. They're using the same die. 
for the 3090 and these Quadro cards, despite the Quadro cards having GDR6, there's no reason they can't put GDR6X on there. I just don't think the higher capacity GDR6X is ready, right? And yeah. I know faster GDR6X is coming. So as I said in my coverage, they really only have, I guess, maybe four options, right? So it will boost higher. It will have a, you know, a couple more SMs. Basically, you're looking at 5 to 10% better core performance. Okay, what can they do with the memory? All right, so number one, they can just give it GDR6, and then this is definitely not for gaming. This is definitely just a prosumer hybrid card. All right, they could do that, I guess. I don't think they would, though. Number two, they can just give it the same, uh, they can just give it faster GDR6X clocks than the 3090, which people don't know, a lot of people don't know this. The 3090 has 21 gigabit per second memory, but it's clocked at 19.5 gigabits per second, Mm -hmm. meaning they can go to 21. So they can give this almost a 10% bandwidth boost too. So they could just launch a 24 gigabyte Titan that just outperforms the 3090 by about 5 to 10%, but then also comes with professional driver support, right? That would be the differentiating factor. Or they can use 23 gigabit per second memory, which I know should be out by the end of quarter one. That, they could then give it either 48 gigabytes, 24 gigabytes, or 44 gigabytes if they really wanted to get funky, because technically it would have 8% more bandwidth with faster RAM, even if they used a 352-bit bus, right? And then they, yeah. and then no matter what they do, where would they price this? If they give it 44 or 48 gigabytes, I think 3,000 to 3,500, which would be like a grand less than the Quadro version that's more efficient. If they just give it 24 gigabytes, I don't know, probably $2,500 to 3,000. Yeah, I guess. I, I, I feel like the 48 gigabyte option would be I don't know, more interesting at least, because I, I feel like releasing like a card that actually deserves the moniker of Titan every couple of years is a more interesting a more interesting uh product lineup than the, just releasing a decent Titan every year. And I don't know, the twenty four gigabytes. Just you're seems... you're hoping they would just go with forty eight gigabytes of the fastest yeah. RAM. Yeah, and like four uh thir- three thousand thirty five hundred dollars, it might be worth that. That's <laughs> that's a, a one hell of a Halo product you have there. Now, I want to be clear about something else too, because there are people that say, "Why would they do twenty four gigabytes, and it's faster with professional mm-hmm. drivers, and then still launch the thirty ninety? The thirty ninety is something I know people have been asking for. I've had I've heard devs say this. I've heard people who work in data who uh, a lot of people have said they wish there was some card in between the 20, like if we're going last gen as a reference, Mm -hmm. right? In between the 2080 Ti and the Titan. They wanted more than 16 gigabytes of RAM, but they frankly didn't need the 2080 Ti's performance nor the professional drivers. Like I've heard that Epic Games uses basically just, you know, they wish they could have had that card. That's all they use, right? So uh, th- that's what the 3090 is for, giving you Titan RAM and almost Titan performance, but not the professional drivers, and it's slightly cut down. That That is the point of the 3090, guys, in between a Titan and an ADTI. Yeah, so like a slightly more consumer-prosumer card. Yeah, and as and with regards to a 3080Ti, I mean, look, they can decide to name it whatever they want, but I think it's more likely they would just launch a 3090-12 gigabyte or something. Yeah. Like other other unless they did a 3080 Ti that's like 22 gigabytes, I guess they could do that. If they really got, I think if they got desperate, 
If AMD crazy overperformed, that's the, what they would probably do, actually. It's some kind of $1,200 22 gigabyte card or $1,000 22 gigabyte card. Yeah, and that would just, I don't know, that would just confuse everyone buying stuff with all the different RAM options, but... Which, as you know, I've heard that NVIDIA wants to simplify the naming scheme, but we'll see if they actually do. I still kind of think there's a 3060 Ti. I don't know. You can always have a 60 Ti. Those are always... That's pretty standard. Those those always do well, too. Yeah. VI Pass writes in, and he says, I can bet a can of premium cashews that NVIDIA will beat hands down Radeon in the GPU wars this year and next year, regardless of price or performance differences, even if Radeon cards beat them in the high end. Every feature and partnership they have is catered to three major groups, pro gamers, streamers, and content creators. With NVIDIA Broadcast, Reflex, and Fortnite, that will spur a majority, if not, frankly, all streamers and pro gamers to be using the 30 series. Um, and as we all know, if everyone see, if all the kids see these people using them, they will buy the lower end RTX 30 cards for their systems. Um, I don't, basically he goes on to say he doesn't think AMD has a chance when it comes to mindshare. And I would say, I don't really disagree. I'm not going to take that bet because I don't disagree with you, VI Passed. I think, I think AMD has a chance to take market share. I think AMD has a chance to make a splash but they've got to do better than they've done for the past few generations. And so I'm not taking that bet because I'm not betting on AMD (laughs) doing it perfectly until they do it a couple generations in a row. We know they can execute well with CPUs. Radeon still has to prove itself. By the way, it's still in Canada and they still call themselves ATI all the time. So to say (laughs) that they've changed that much, I don't know about that. I I mean, yeah, They, they, they need to actually challenge... NVIDIA's flagship probably for a couple years in a row, really. But this is the first step towards them taking over. And I mean, I don't know. The 5700 XT sold very well, and that was just a mid-range card. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think it could happen faster than he assumes. I'm not taking Again, a bet, but... <laughs> of course not, because we're not betting on AMD actually launching it perfectly. Although I know they're trying, guys. I, I've heard. I know they're trying this time. Lisa Sue will roll heads if there's driver issues this fall. <laughs> let me tell you. All right. Um, so let's get into this then. Story number four: Nvidia's ultimate play. Now, this is an article I wrote, and let me uh, quote a few sections of it. Basically, the beginning and the end. So. I will start this post by getting straight to the point. I have evidence that suggests NVIDIA is trying to have their cake and eat it too when it comes to the perceived price performance of their new Ampere RTX 30 series lineup. They are attempting to appear to be launching a lineup that is priced lower than their much maligned Turing generation, but in reality, these things will cost far more than they are letting on for the overwhelming majority of shoppers this fall. And so for those who don't know, again, I feel like I've explained it about a dozen times now in videos and podcasts, but basically what they're doing is... It is artificially low availability of AIB and Founders cards. They never intend to produce a lot of Founders cards. And only the Founders cards are basically going to be sold at MSRP. Those people will go, oh, the prices always go up after launch. No, not this way. If you will remember, AIBs sold their cards around Founders pricing despite the fake MSRP being lower. Now there's only one MSRP and it's still going to be higher because NVIDIA is controlling some key components they need for their graphics cards. Right, guys? And no, it's not the coolers. There are some key components they're controlling, and they will allow AIBs to have those in October if they play ball with these cost downs. Basically, what's going on is AIBs are forced to provide a breakdown of proof of of what each component costs in their AIB cards. 
to make sure that they meet like a certain profit margin. And if you look at the the prices that are public, what these AIB cards will cost, they're already the majority are at least like you know at least fifty dollars more. And then of course, as I covered in my video today, uh, or I guess yesterday when this comes out, Nvidia is providing a rebate to OEM uh, to AIBs like Intel did to OEMs against AMD before, by the way, uh, for the first month of sales. So basically, they're even providing them some cash back if they play ball for the first month. But in other words, NVIDIA is intentionally manipulating the price for scarcity in the first month when there doesn't need to be. Samsung doesn't have as many yield issues as we thought. And they want the price to skyrocket in October, right before they launch the 20 gigabyte cards, probably for $1,000 and 16 gigabytes for, well, who knows? (laughs) (laughs) You know, but uh, I think that's a decent summary. I mean, you... um, read this article, Dan. I mean, uh, we discussed it for over a week. You know, you know who the source is. You know, this is someone we know is, you know, and, I, yes, and I've yes. seen the information myself. So it's, it's very true. And, and again, to those who doubt it, I mean, video cards has already confirmed the Founders Edition outperforms the AIB models. We already have public MSRPs that are above the Founders pricing, despite some of those coolers looking far worse. I mean, uh, four slot monstrosity. That's uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and, and again, I know there's so many people just saying we're hating on NVIDIA. It's like, I'm just reporting the truth. If AMD does the same, I'll say the same. I did a whole podcast last fall on AMD's broken drivers, so I don't want to hear it, guys. You know, I don't know. Do you have anything else to say about this, Dan? I mean, I'll, I'll say that I did see an article pop up today that is at least suggests that you're not wrong. Is um, I saw oh, an really? article pop up today. Uh, NVIDIA announced, I think NVIDIA announced this, that there's going to be scarcity of graphics cards for the first few months that it's out. Yeah. So. Yeah, we'll see about that. What what I, uh, what I can't, I can't confirm what the component is, but it's not the PCB. It's not the die and it's not the cooler. What else do graphics cards needs guys? And they bought up a bunch of that, which is needed for each card, of course. And they will just distribute all of it as much as they want in October. So again, guys, it you know, and you know, I don't. This isn't some grand conspiracy. A lot of companies do this artificial scarcity thing at launch. It's just you guys deserve to know that it's not going to be that scarce by the end of the year. And they want they want it to be scarce at first. They love that that happened with Pascal. You know. Well, yeah, you make money. You make way more money if you can sell it above MSRP. <laughs> yeah, and then and and they want to keep those touring prices because well. You know, read the article. I honestly think I've talked about this to death and I don't want to dwell on it. Uh, so let's just continue here. Benny Berlin writes in and says, I bet you 20 bucks that we will never see a custom 3080 10 gigabyte even close to the advertised $700 for the Founders Edition. Even though NVIDIA's cooling solution is so expensive and supposedly superior to third-party ones, I've seen custom ones for more than 925 with that more than a decade old. Remember the Arctic cooling? Oh, triple fan cooler frowning. Oh, Oh, uh, oh! so I, I, I kind of got lost, Benny, in the second half of your comment. But no, I mean, uh, I, of course I don't take that bet because we're not going to. You know, what? well, what I'll say is this, though. I do know that they're going to have some kind of token cards close to MSRP at launch. So don't be surprised if there are a couple, you know. But I, I, I've seen the numbers on which on where the dies are being allocated. It's, it's a token thing, you know. Yeah. Um, and if you get it, you're lucky. <laughs> Yeah.
gosh, Reese. Why does Windows 10 Professional have to be so expensive? Don't listen to that, nerd. Listen to me. You can get all the great windows and gaming keys you need at CDK Offers. I have a plan. Go to cdkoffers.com to get all the Windows Professional and Microsoft Office keys you need, and games as well. Add them to your cart, and you can even apply one of them city slicker promotional codes like DashRank for 3% off software and Broken Silicon for 25% off all Windows codes. I do have an account on this website, and it is ultra easy to use. Just submit your order, use PayPal, credit card, or Bitcoin, and go to Windows website to download Microsoft Professional. One more time, that's go to cdkoffers.com. They are a fantastic sponsor of Moore's Law is Dead. Use offer code DOSHRINK for 3% off everything on the website and Broken Silicon for 25% off all Windows products. Now, back to the show. All right, so let us get to story number five. All right, early RDNA 2 info confirmed by Moore's Law is dead, and it lines up with some of Cortex's reporting as usual. So this is actually the video I would reference. I'd reference both that NVIDIA article Mm -hmm. I wrote at the end. I hinted at it, and then I also divulged most of what I know on the 16th at the end of the NVIDIA Ampere Reaction video, because I just... I've seen other people confirm some of the stuff I know, so it's just time to tell you guys what I know. If I'm wrong, I'll admit it, you know. But in a nutshell, that sample going around, I believe, is a Navi 21 sample, an old one. And I do believe Navi 21 is 256-bit. I believe the 384-bit version is canceled and that they're going to just use regular GDR6, but that most likely there's something going on with memory management, probably a large set of cache that they cache that they decided would be more effective than going 384-bit this time, and that it was basically always targeted to be a 270-watt card. That's why you saw those dual fans, you know, teased before. But that when I see that triple fan one that lines up with what I've reported and Igor's labs reported, which is that they're going to push a top model to 300 watts and try to compete with the 3080. Um yeah, I don't know what else I really have to say about this. You know, I know that one SKU is 60 compute units. I know that's not the top dying. I know that version crushes the 3070. So if I, you know, depending on how many compute units they give us peasant gamers, I could seriously see them being, now that we know, right? Think about it this way. Now that we know that a lot of it is the wide bus and the heavy amounts of bandwidth in Ampere that give it the performance in 4K. Mm-hmm. I think Navi 21's just got a real opening here because I think it can at least tie the 3080 in 1440p performance, which is what most people use, and do so while using less energy and do so while having more VRAM, even if it loses by like 5 to 10% in 4K. I think at the end of the day, you know, if they charge $600 for that 16 gigabyte top card, they've got a real winner on their hands that is directly competing with the 3080. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I pretty much agree. Yeah, 60 compute units. If that were the top card, that would be a little it's bit not. disappointing. Not, it's not. Okay. That it's, would, a, it's cut down, and I would suspect it's the most cut down version. There's three versions. Okay. 
So that's good. Um, the it, a lot of this surprises me, like how they'll man- just manage to be able to keep up with the 3080 with GDR6 and 256 bit. But I don't know. I guess we'll see. I mean, remember Maxwell competed with HBM that's, in the Fury. This has true. happened before, guys. And the you know Fermi versus the HD six uh, five thousand, well, and really six thousand series is a similar story. I understand, you know. And I understand, right, the downvotes from people who lean towards NVIDIA. You know, I say I'm underwhelmed by this performance, Mm -hmm. despite, and I think just using actual numbers and showing you why I'm underwhelmed. There's no conspiracy there on why I'm underwhelmed. I think it's pretty obvious. But then in the same video going, I think Navi can compete while using less energy and a smaller, you know, bus width. I mean, I've known about this for a while, but I haven't said it because I know how crazy people will think I am. But at this point, I'm sure. So... That's what it is, guys. You can downvote all you want. I really think at the very least, AMD is going to crush the 3070 with a more efficient card, with more VRAM. And no matter how you dice it, even if it was 10% worse in 4K, it can compete with the 3080 for sure. I'm confident now. And everyone I've talked to that's seen the card, seen some early numbers, it's close to a 3080 already. It's been close to a 3080 the whole time. Yeah, and it's just like you you say, if it's 5% lower performance, but has double the RAM, I mean, or, or almost double the RAM. I mean, I think there's a convincing argument for spending a little bit more money for that RAM that future proofs it. Yeah. <laughs> At least to an extent. White Bomb writes in and he says, would you bet $20 that the real Achilles heel of RDNA 2 is the stock cooler being the only option until 2021? Um, I would say that I wouldn't make any judgments about that until, well, I don't know. I think this this question may have actually even been written before we saw with the cooler. Yeah, it's not a blower, guys. And I think it's going to be okay. So I don't, I I don't think so. I, I think that before it was definitely an Achilles heel. Like again, there was really no reason, honestly, if you think about it. The 290X already undercut the Titan by enough there was no reason for them to not charge $50 more and give it a decent cooler. I mean, they gave it a 7970 cooler, for arguably worse, actually, than the yeah. 7970 when it used more energy. There was no reason for them to do that. And they're not doing that this time. And the fact that I know that they're going with a triple fan for a card that I believe will use less energy than the 3080, I think they're taking it very seriously. So, I mean, I, I don't know. It, it's not something that will really bug me. Do you think it's going to be a big problem? Which I believe is true, by the way. I believe there won't probably be a whole lot of AIB options this year. I mean, AIBs, it's not like I've ever been super into the whole AIB design stuff anyways. I think I like to joke a lot about shitty AIB designs, if you haven't noticed, because there's a lot of bad AIB designs. Um, And this looks like it. We don't know what the cooler will do yet. We don't know how good it will be. It looks like it's better than what uh, AMD tends to put, put out, though. So we'll see how well it performs. And if it's uh, putting out, if it's a 280 watt card or something, I have no doubt in my mind that that uh, reference cooler will be sufficient to cool it. Yeah, I'd say it looks like it's going to be at least as good as the Radeon Sevens, and that was fine. You know, was yeah. it fantastic? It was fine. Uh, Villahead ninety four writes in and says, with how underwhelming Ampere performed in rasterization and frankly even RT performance, would the biggest Navi twenty one card compete solidly with the thirty ninety? Um, well, again, right, I believe the top die might be ADCUs, and 
If it is, I believe there will be an HBM version for Data Center. Although, frankly, I'm not 100% sure on that, guys. So, with what I know about the SKU's numbers, the 60 CU model, the numbers I've seen for that, I think there's a chance. I think, here's how I would phrase it. I think if AMD really wanted to, they can make a proper mega die with HBM that goes toe-to-toe with the 3090. I just don't know that they want to go all out. And I think what we're seeing is something people are underestimating because it's 256-bit most likely. But that doesn't mean it's not going to be good, but it's not going to be the biggest they can do. Does that make sense, Dan? You know, I I just don't think they care about competing with a 3090. I think they care about competing in the cards under $1,000. And um, yeah, I think if they really wanted to, they could make a bigger die, though. Well, we know they can make a bigger die. It exists. Arcturus is a thing. I mean, it, well, it's not the same. It it doesn't even have an output, Dan. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying they can. They are physically capable of making a bigger die. It's just, is it good for gaming? Is there a point in doing it? Probably not. I don't. I'm curious if there's even room in the market for two thirty ninety style cards. Like, it's a pretty niche card. It sounds like. I mean, even Nvidia is saying this isn't our flagship card. The thirty eighty is. So the 3080 is who they want to compete with. And and it's worth pointing out that NVIDIA, and I've made this point before in a video that I think is something worth emphasizing that. NVIDIA used to have usually the flagship, but every now and then AMD would take the performance crown. This was a decade ago, though. Mm -hmm. And then we got to the point where the 980 Ti, it won. It beat the Fury X. And then above the uh, 980 Ti was a Titan. And then we got to this point where AMD could barely beat the 1080. I would say, arguably, they didn't even beat the 1080. They really didn't. So with that in mind, then, NVIDIA could say, not only can AMD not beat the 1080, so we can definitely call this high-end because they can't beat it, right? Because like Mm -hmm. NVIDIA could market the 1080, even though it's the 104 die, is a high-end card because AMD can't touch it. Not only can they not beat this, but also they can't beat the ADTI, and they also can't beat the Titan. And then there was a point where they also can't beat the Titan Volta. And the ability to say not only can AMD not beat our top card, they can't beat the second or third best one is just crazy good for Mindshare. That means you're seeing charts where there's multiple NVIDIA cards at the top, and then you finally eventually get down to AMD. And I mean, when it came down to Polaris, and it was just, you know, it was just not good. And so I think, though, AMD knocking over the 3080, if they manage to, is good enough, especially when that's the 102 die anyways. NVIDIA, I mean, what does NVIDIA even do with their pricing if they undercut it and did that too? You know, So I think beating the 3080, as you've said, NVIDIA is calling that their flagship, is good enough and that they don't see... And I would agree with AMD. There's really no point in trying to take the ultimate... They don't need to take the ultimate performance crown yet when they can sell... Multiple, as I pointed out, 3950Xs for the same capacity manufacturing as one <laughs> big Navi. I mean, would you rather not make that profits? And if they make the profits now, they can afford to start doing lower margin big GPUs. You know, again, lower margin relative to their CPUs is what I'm saying. Yeah. More aggressively next year. Now, do you have anything to add to that? Oh, uh, no. Root Knight writes in and says, with the 3090 acting as a Halo product to maintain mindshare, is it likely that AMD will avoid launching a GPU branded as the 6900 to avoid direct confrontation with it and resurrect the moniker XTX instead? You know, honestly, guys, I think this is a valid point. I would not call 
a card the 6900 XT unless it beats the 3080. I don't know if that's uh, what AMD will do, but that's that's not. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do it. I would say I would even go further and say I, I don't think they should do that unless they like handily beat the 3080. Like it doesn't need to be the 3090, but it should it should be a clear win against the 3080 if they call it the uh, 6900 XT. And, and I certainly wouldn't call it a 6950X. You reserve that for when you know you've won. You know, yeah. and so in other words, they called it. I think it was a. You know, I think they could have just continued with the 600 naming scheme, but you know, <laughs> many people I think have accurately pointed out they changed naming schemes when they're going to raise prices, and they did. And so the 5700 XT, it was smart to call that 700 XT instead of 800 XT because it really only beat the 2070 and came close to a 2070 super. So with that mindset, I think you know. So if it was the 70 before. If they can not only beat the 70, but at least trade blows with the 80, I would call the top card the 6800 XT. And if there's a special edition version, yeah, maybe I call that XTX or something, you know, special edition at the top. Because I don't know that you want to call it a 6900 XT, because I think people know nine is the top, eight mm-hmm. is the high end, seven is the upper mid range. You don't call it nine, 900 unless it's competing with nine, the 3090. Yeah, I agree. And I actually, I don't remember. What was the XTX moniker? I don't remember that being a thing. Uh, and, and I'm not an expert on this era, okay. right? But no, Dan, I mean, back then they had like an X, an XT, and an XTX, I think. I, honestly, I thought it was okay. confusing. I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I thought it was a confusing <laughs> naming scheme. Uh, Sassy writes in and says, what kind of new software stacks do you expect from AMD for RDNA2 aside from ray tracing? Right? So... I don't have firm numbers on ray tracing. I, I've been told repeatedly it's better than Turing, relatively speaking. Okay, so that's what we know. And we've seen ray tracing demos with the consoles that I think look more impressive in practical terms than Turing. In other words, it does seem like the consoles are capable of turning on low levels of ray tracing without badly affecting performance. So that's what I think you can expect from the consoles, the ultra high end. I don't know. I... You know, Ampere let me down in ray tracing, but I would basically expect Big Navi to be probably better at ray tracing than the 2080 Ti, but probably not as good as the 3080. But maybe, hopefully, fingers crossed, you can turn ray tracing on at low with basically no performance loss whatsoever. Hopefully that's what's going on. That's kind of what it sounds like. But in turn, but I'm not 100% sure on that at all. Not even 90%. And when it comes to the software stack, all I know is that AMD basically could launch these cards in like three or four weeks, if they really wanted to, they could paper launch, but they're taking time to extra polish drivers and release in November. Frankly, as Mark Cerny basically confirmed that it's launching next to the console, <laughs> as uh, their link in the description will show. And so I just know that they know, they know DLSS is a problem now, that it's not yeah. just a joke, that they need to take it seriously. And they know that these other things, they need to, they need to compete with RTX Voice and all this other stuff too. And they're working on it. And I think that they should be capable of having a decent answer to DLSS, but we're just going to have to see, and I'm not 100% sure. I just know that they are putting a lot of resources into it. That's all I know. Well, and I mean, they're a big company. Like We see these issues. They see them too. I'm sure they're trying to figure out a solution to DLSS. But I mean, like we've always said in the past, at some point, AMD needs to start being the market leader with these software stacks and not always respond, seemingly responding to NVIDIA. Mm-hmm. All right. Story number six. Moore's Law is dead. Confirmed CDNA 2, MI200. 
is likely an MCM design like RDNA 3. And I did a tiny write-up here. There's a link in the description for those who want to see it. A leak by MLID flew hard, pretty hard under the radar last week with CDNA 2 being confirmed as a multi-die design, likely 3D stacked, just like RDNA 3 is rumored to be. So I don't have much to say. I can't divulge too much, but yeah, there's, guys, CDNA 2 is big, multi-die, just like RDNA 3. Remember, I've already confirmed RDNA 3 will do some levels of 3D or 2.5D stacking with an IO die. Mm-hmm. Um, and so why would it be a surprise, frankly, that CDNA 2 does as well? But um, yeah, I don't know if you have any thoughts. I don't need to dwell on this long. I just thought it was worth putting in here because it's like, that's technically a pretty big confirmation, I think. It is. It's just no one, <laughs> no one in the DIY market cares about CDNA. Yeah. Well, some people who listen do, but yeah, yeah, so uh, yeah. I don't know. I guess let's continue then. Katanji writes in and says, how long do you think AMD needs to have a good GPU lineup to be carried in the professional workloads uh, as more standard? And rendering design software NVIDIA is so much better right now that for me as a user, it's a given that I would buy NVIDIA because they just have been so much better recently. Yeah, I mean, I think AMD needs to prove themselves with RDNA 2 and CDNA 1 professional cards. I think their drivers have become better. Again, server engineer was on, AI, AI developer. Everyone says AMD's drivers are catching up to NVIDIA now, and, and not even really just drivers. It's not, it's not just about reliability. In some ways, I've heard it's better than NVIDIA and reliability. It's just that their software stack is just so not as matured as NVIDIA. And without going into detail, it's really all you can say. So I think, I think they need to have something that goes toe-to-toe with NVIDIA with CDNA 1 and then prove they can do it again with CDNA 2. And then by then, they'll be taken seriously with CDNA 3. I know that sounds like it takes a long time, but hopefully they'll have them on later in the year. The server engineer says this. It takes years to win over professionals. Yeah, I mean, if you're, do, if you're doing this as a uh, computer strictly to make money, you want to know when I buy this thing, it's just going to work and I don't have to put up with any bullshit. And, and it's easy, and AMD, yeah, it's easy and to AMD use. And AMD hasn't put that, proven that yet. And yeah, that probably takes two or three generations at least to prove it, I would think. Yeah. Larry writes in and he says, given that RDNA 2 cards will be announced soon and then parentheses-ish and will share some of the architectures with next-gen consoles, do you think that this will age better compared to Ampere? This is a common question, Dan. In terms of games being developed for the large majority of gamers, considering it's both, you know, at least 20% of PC gamers and almost all the and most of the console market, will we be playing on consoles which will use AMD developed architectures? Is there a parallel to be made with GCN in regarding last gen? Where is it is possible to see Vega perform worse than GCN Horizon Zero Dawn, for example? Oh, uh, Okay, so there's a few. So anyways, though, anyways, you're asking, will this age better than Ampere? I mean, let's keep this in mind. GCN aged well because they were, they just used it for so long. So like that was part of it. And then additionally, Kepler aged bad. As I've done, I did a video comparing Fermi, a three gigabyte Fermi card, which were rare, to a three gigabyte Kepler card that was around the same performance when it was out. And I found Fermi relatively aged better than Kepler. So I think you just have to remember, it's not just the consoles that made GCN age well. Kepler kind of sucked. I'm going to keep saying it did, you know? So I I think so far, uh, Pascal hasn't aged badly. Some people act like the 1068. I don't think it did. I think the Pascal's aged fine. And I think Turing's 8 will probably age, I think relatively speaking, it won't age as well as Pascal. But I think it's, you know, it's just going to, it'll be okay. Um, I think Ampere will probably age better, but I'm not sure. You know, I'm not sure. I'm very lukewarm on Ampere now, so... What, you think Ampere will age better than Turing, you mean? 
You know what? I'm honestly not sure. Okay. Well, I mean, we'll see. I mean, what would you guess? I mean, I don't know. Uh, no, I, I really don't have a guess. I, I just, it, I think there's a You sounded point. surprised when I said that, though. No, I, I just was asking as an, it, do you mean, do you think Ampere will age better that when compared to Turing or compared to RDNA 2? I, I just wasn't sure what the comparison you were making there was. Well, let's see how good RDNA 2 is, because yeah. if you think about it, we don't have all of the details yet on it. And Larry's basically asking me, because it's in consoles, does that mean it will for sure age 100% better? And it's like, nah, I'm not so sure. I think yeah. it will probably age better than Ampere considering, you know, relatively speaking, because of these reasons. But I think it's too early to say, to be entirely honest. And I think like Vega, Ampere has this brute force that will mean it probably won't, it might lose relatively at a somewhat degree, but it's probably just going to have this floor. Look, guys, it has a ton of teraflops, a ton of bandwidth. There will be just a brute force floor in its performance at a certain point, you know, that I just don't think Kepler, for example, ever had. Yeah, and that's why it might be a li- it could be a turn out to be a false equivalency comparing it to Kepler versus GCN because I mean you and I made that joke for years Kepler ages like fruit <laughs> like it's just not a well aging architecture right and, and and again I want to be clear about that because some people act like oh you know it's old so no Kepler was showing bad signs of aging like a year and a half after it was out yeah moving on Griff de la Griff writes in and says. Dan was very impressed by how fancy that name is, Griff. Um, he goes, would you bet $100 that the Demon Souls remake is a PS5 launch title? Not launch window, but a day one launch title. Well, the funny thing is, I know you asked this question a few days ago, so I'll answer honestly in this way. I wouldn't have accepted the bet because I thought it would just be this holiday season. I wasn't sure it was a launch title, but now we know it is a launch title, <laughs> which brings us to story number seven, PlayStation 5 revealed. And in the reveal, the much expected $400, $500 price point was shown, a November release date. And as reported by Moore's Law is Dead, God of War 2 was teased. So damn. Let's see. Let me go through. I guess let me do a few summaries here because there's actually a lot of news that flew under the radar. For example, so God of War 2 was teased. Final Fantasy 16 is a launch. I know, not launch, not launch, a 2021 console exclusive. Um, They still have not showed the operating system and it was priced where I thought it would be, which I always said it's probably 400, 500, but I know they could go cheaper if they wanted to. No way they would go over 500. I mean, how many times did I rant on this podcast? There is no way it's over 500, you know? It was priced exactly where every reasonable person said it would be priced since day one. (laughs) <laughs> I guess one surprise, but not really. And this isn't a surprise to me. The PlayStation Plus catalog, you know, that's their answer. They're just going to give you way, way, way more games with PlayStation Plus uh, than they used to. That's their answer for now, it seems. Again, I, I say mm-hmm. it's for now, it seems, because I wouldn't be so sure, right? They can add more if they want to, uh, to at least have some kind of an answer to Xbox All Access. You know, that's a whole discussion there. I don't know where you want. So where, where do you want to start with this show? It was a 40 minute show that there, there pretty, most of the stuff that we expected was there. I don't know. What, what was your takeaway after it? Um, I mean, uh, for the most part, I, it, the show was just, it, it, the show was fine. Um, for the most part, like the last 10 minutes was all that I really cared about in the show where they showed God of war two was being made, which 
obviously that's being made, but it's nice to see it confirmed. Mm-hmm. Um, Demon Souls, which is one of my favorite games, so I was excited to see gameplay where I liked how they just played the tutorial level for the, that commercial. Mm-hmm. I almost yeah, couldn't like, tell it was the tutorial level, by the way, because of how much better it looked. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Um, and then they showed the price. Th- those were the only things that I was really looking for. I was hoping they would show the OS. But mm-hmm. yeah, that, that that's, I mean, that, those are my takeaways. And PS Plus seems like it could be a decent, well, pushing someone over if they're on the fence. Uh, well, I guess let's talk about that part of it now, because what I find so fascinating about this console generation is that they're really two entirely different mindsets about why you would buy a console. Sony's basically doubling down that the reason someone buys a console is there's that one game they wanted and they bought the console for that and a few other games. And then they will also get other games if they want those. But Sony is basically betting the reason someone actually gets in the car and drives to Best Buy is, or I guess clicks on Amazon, is that they want a specific game. And that was the thing that always ends up pushing them over the edge. And Microsoft is just making the argument that this is a bigger value, which. Sony's basically arguing, look, we're going to compete in price, we're going to compete in features, but at the end of the day, it's the games, specific games that you wanted that made you get it. And it's just an entirely different mindset that's going to be fun to analyze. And I will say this, too. Looking at what they're offering day with the PS Plus cat, uh, catalog, I think is whatever they're calling it, um, I think the argument that they're saying, okay, if this is the type of gamer Xbox is targeting... This suite of games that you're we're giving you, depending on how often they refresh it, is a decent answer to Game Pass. Like I think some the, people are disregarding how effective of a combat it could be. You're not getting the games day one, that's true. But the most recent game I think I saw on the list is a little over a year old. So what if instead it's just like yeah, yeah you get the days games gone, which and, you know I just got. <laughs> but who cares? Yeah. You know, by the time if I even get a PS5 anytime soon. Um, which I don't know if I will. I mean, whatever, you know, it's it's like, oh, so maybe instead you just get all of the games that are a year and a half old. I mean, I guess I don't know. We'll see. Like, will The Last of Us 2 be added November next year or something? Because if they do that, then I don't know. I think that's a convincing counter argument to Game Pass. So here's the way I would put it, right? If PlayStation Plus is $60 a year and this is $10 a month, PlayStation Plus is half the price. So you could make the argument, well, but you get way more games with Xbox Game Pass. The argument Sony would make is, do you need more than these 20 big games we just gave you? Are you really going to play all of those? And if the you say, well, I want the new games, well, it's like, well, you want this bargain deal. So you're probably only getting one or two new games a year anyways. So why don't you just get the two games a year you want to get that are new and then play these old ones that you want from Game Pass? Right. And this t- I think that's the argument. And this is gonna. This is, I think, the argument Sony's gonna make, which I, which I'm not saying it's necessarily enough. I think they do need to make it better. At least, at least they have an opening. Xbox has a big opening here if they don't. Um, but I think the argument Sony would be, you know, you're buying this to play Demon Souls or Spider Man or God of War or I don't know one of these other games. Maybe Kojima's working on. Um, and if you get that game, that's why you got the console for that specific game. And if you're worried about Xbox Game Pass, don't worry. Here's 20 games. Is that really not enough? Yeah. 
That's which true. is, and it's less money. That's the argument Sony's making, right? And I think it's not, I don't think it should be disregarded because I see people, you know, look at all these games and it's like, I'm going to be honest, guys, I don't play half the games I get for free, even just from the Epic Game Store or all of this other stuff. Like the amount of free time I have, I play way, if there's a game I'm going to play, I mean, the way I would put it is my free time is way more valuable than what I paid for that game. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah, that's true. You know, and I think that's the argument Sony would make is, well, whatever. Great. They gave you all those games. But do you want to play this one? You know, that's (laughs) the argument they're making. And and, uh, I guess we're going to see what matters because I think if they make PlayStation Plus just good enough, they can kind of just make the same argument and then say, also, there's these games you can't play. But it, and, that, and that's why, as I discussed on the last podcast, by the way, with Innocence 2, Xbox does need a God of War killer on Game Pass to counter Sony making the argument, oh, but you're getting these free games. Because yeah, if because- Xbox did that, that's when they really compete. And you can say they will. Yeah, sorry, guys. The Halo Infinite showcase wasn't exactly a God of War killer there. Uh, like, they really need a 10 out of 10 new flagship series. It can't just be the same ones. They need a new series that crushes it in reviews and people as beloved like God of War and or some of these other games, right? It can't just be the same Halo and Gears, in my opinion. And if they do that, Sony's exposed, big time exposed, but they need to do that just like Sony needs to make sure they can make a good enough value argument for PlayStation Plus. They're just both emphasizing different things. Xbox is emphasizing the value, but they have some games that aren't on PlayStation and PlayStation is emphasizing the exclusives, but they're also trying to give you a good value with PlayStation Plus. But just, you know, yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. And it's like, I I guess um, Microsoft has bought a, I, I I forgot how many uh, studios Microsoft is at now, but I think they're close. I think they're pushing twenty if they're not already past twenty studios that they own now uh, for the Xbox brand. So they should and have something. They should within have something. two years or three. But years, here's here's the problem they have. They have Halo Infinite, which looks like this broad game. They also have Hellblade Two. Hellblade Two. I love the first Hellblade, but it's a six hour game. And Sony has a game games that are as broad as Halo Infinite, but also look that like look and are as deep as like Hellblade. So, so if Microsoft needs to have some flagship, like like you said, like yeah. God of War, when what they have is games with components of each of what make God of War so great, but they don't synthesize them together to make a truly great game. Maybe maybe Halo Infinite's net extra year of development. Well, they brought in someone from Halo but, too, so I think there's hope they will fix it. To be completely honest, um, yeah. And it and has they, been pointed out that previous Halos had horrible. The ones with the worst development periods were the best, yeah, arguably. Right. So, I mean, that's a fair point. I think. I think Halo Infinite can be good. It's just, yeah, I know. You know, no one asked for an open world Halo. Frankly, let me just say that too. Well, yeah, and I hope Halo Infinite turns out well. I mean, it would it would really suck to see a series die on the note we saw Halo Infinite have uh, in that showcase. Right, because, I mean, again, I mean, we played Halo, again, just so people know, when we were younger, especially me, and we just replayed through all of them again in the Master Chief Collection, which, again, I can't recommend enough, especially for the price. But, you know, uh, you know, after playing the Master Chief Collection, we literally like completed it because 4 isn't added to PC yet. Uh, right before they showed Infinite, and we're like, no. <laughs> I'd rather play 2. <laughs> I'd rather just play 2 again, yeah. So, 
but yeah, I think that's a valid point. Um, I don't know. So, so I think we covered that argument there between PlayStation Plus and the argument they're making with All Access. I mean, is there anything else you would say? You know, I guess with regards to the price, I mean, it was what we expected or the games they showed. There really weren't any... I guess, I guess let me just say this. It, I get the feeling Sony played it safe, that they're holding back some things for sure. Like, And if you think about it, they haven't even shown the OS off yet. And as you guys will know, I know there's other games Sony's holding back that they didn't reveal here. I expected to see one of them that I didn't see. Now, they showed God of War. They did show another console exclusive, which turned out to be Final Fantasy 16. So, okay, that checks the boxes I thought they would do. But I know there's a few more that they could have shown that they haven't yet, and they haven't even shown the operating system, which I know is supposed to be part of some big showcase. So I feel like they're preparing to do one more one-hour show in the end of October or something, and that's when they're going to reveal everything. Or it could be mid-October even. I I think they got the stuff out of the way that they needed to, and like they should have Like a 10-second Fortnite trailer? Yeah, <laughs> how much you want to bet there's going to be another Fortnite trailer in both the next Xbox and the place next PlayStation one? There has to be. <laughs> Fortnite is ubiquitous. Fortnite has to be branded in everything somehow. But yeah, <laughs> but um, I, they got the thing out of the way that they needed to the price, so they can show off the OS anytime. I'm assuming it will be. I I don't know. I don't think the OS of the PS4 is bad per se. I mean, there's complaints about its snappiness and it just doing stupid bullshit all the time. But uh, yeah, it, it, it works fine. Like in principle, it's the OS is fine. So if they just made the PS4 OS work better, I don't think. Well, I know I know what the OS looks like. It's basically a slicker, more optimized version in games boot in two seconds. Because so. I know people who have used it. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess that's kind of just what I was describing was. A, a better PS4 OS is what I would kind of expect. But but anyway, so what what I'm trying to get to though, um, is that I, I I remember I told you know I've told you guys some of the stuff I know before you when I say you guys I mean you and the people we game with, um and and um you know one of our friends said like I it was hard for me to believe what you said about the exclusives they were getting ready to reveal and how much they had to show still, but then they were you know. And my what I kept saying to you, Dan, and him is that I'm pretty sure they've had the price reveal video ready for a month and that they're just going to type in the price and press export when Xbox says the price and it'll be shown in under a week afterwards. And that, lo and behold, that's exactly what happened. And it was 40 minutes. And so I, I think that they're still holding back for another show. And I do know Xbox has another show. I know they canceled their August one to regroup after the Halo Infinite thing and the price reveal. So. I know Xbox has another show coming as well. Um, and I'm, I would guess that Sony's holding back because there were a few things there that I, like, again, they didn't show the OS and there's a couple exclusives I know are coming that I thought they would show at least one of those. They didn't, even though they did show two exclusives. I expected one more, guys. <laughs> and so I know they're holding back some stuff and I think we're just going to see two more big shows, a big Xbox one and a PlayStation one within a month. Of course, I shouldn't say um, that. God knows, you know, they've been taking their sweet-ass time to show things. It Maybe it'll be in end of October or something. It kind of has to be within a month, I feel like. But I, I don't know. I've been saying it has to be in a month for three months now. So <laughs> who knows? 
Did you have any other thoughts, though, regarding this reveal? I would say it wasn't as big as I expected, but it checked the boxes that I did expect them to do. I think they played it safe. Yeah, me too. I, I was getting a little worried at the end of me it too. that they weren't going to show the price just because, like, I th- almost think... And they, they hadn't showed God of War yet, so I'm like, dude, if they don't show the price or God of War, I'm going to throw my head through a wall. Like, what is going on? <laughs> yeah, because it almost at first felt like one of those underwhelming state of plays because I was like, why are you showing this game? I I... I I, and I can't say any game specifically because I didn't care. Well, there was a big middle portion that I didn't care about. There always is in all of these presentations. All right, so let's move on. Number eight. I don't want to dwell on this one too long, but I thought I had to address it because this was hilarious to me. So Sony denies launch supply of consoles has been reduced. And the, and the reason I want to cover this is this Bloomberg article comes out saying PlayStation 5s are getting less than 50% yields. Which right when I saw that, I was like, guys, again. That's not possible. <laughs> no, like, no. Like, you could tell me the Xbox is getting 50% yields, and I would go, no, it's not. <laughs> There's no way. Would, what component would lead to that? And it's absolutely ridiculous. And yet I saw some tech tubers rush out this, like, Sony in trouble videos. And I'm like, oh, my God. So now we know what you... Jesus Christ. Like without any, and within hours, within hours, not only did we find out that was false, but we found out that Sony is supposedly paying for express shipping to get more stock out because they're producing more than expected. And if you look at how many PlayStation, what I found hilarious too is when Bloomberg said in their bogus article, um, reduces production to 11 million by March. I'm like, Reduces. I thought it was 10 million by March. 11 million? It's pretty close to PS4 numbers, then, guys. And if, if it's not even reduced to 11, to me, it sounds like they're going to have about, I think there will be less availability because we know there were like what, like 5 million PlayStation 4s and Xbox Ones at launch, I think. Mm-hmm. Like both of them have about the same amount. I think it's going to be less than that. I think it might be 4 million at launch. But or maybe three million, and then four million before the end of the year. But it sounds like by March of next year, there's probably going to be just as many as the PlayStation Four. And in fact, they're paying for express shipping to make sure they can get them from the factory to stores in time because they have enough. I, I just don't understand how people run with these stories without evaluating. I mean, how fifty percent yields? Who can you? How can you even believe? Uh, what? There, there's a. It's made of TSMC, big, guys. There's a big problem with disk drive manufacturing. <laughs> like I, I, I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I know. And uh, honestly, just how many Bloomberg's tech stories can we yeah. have that turn out to be bullshit before people just say, "Oh, Bloomberg ran with something." I assume the opposite is true, because that's what Bloomberg is good for. Like, <laughs> yeah, they had that microchip and motherboards thing, which. I think what's clear is Bloomberg has basically zero understanding of anything technical in the tech space. Do you have more to say about this, though? I think we should move on. Yeah, let's move on. Nils writes in and says, you've talked about the PS5 focusing more on VR, but when I look at GPU tech, all the VR stuff seems to be in NVIDIA's favor. Hmm, ah, they removed the... And the uh, VR link from Ampere, guys. Uh, Do you know of any new advances in API hardware that will help VR performance in RDNA 2 or future generations? Yeah, I mean, I've heard RDNA 3 should be pretty good at VR, but there's a few things. Again, links in the description where Cerny talks about something being used in later RDNA iterations that they have a focus to have decent VR performance, which, by the way, I don't know if that's true. Ampere has lower clock speeds and... For fast frame rates, especially if you're doing not 4K, but maybe 1080p or 1440p per eye, 
which let us remember 1440p is less than half the resolution of 4K. So double 1440p is still a lower resolution than 4K. You want faster clocked stuff for that. And so I don't know. I think actually, finally, AMD may have a VR advantage. I don't know how in-depth I can go except to say that I don't think it's a focus of AMD on desktop this year, but I believe it will be next year. Yeah, and we know that Sony is at least semi-focused on VR, so... Yeah. Yeah. Griftel I Griff writes in and says, please elaborate on the series as performance and how you think it will manage to keep up. Uh, Will it? Uh, We know we can't compare old and new generations, but claiming 1440p 120 feels like it could have used an extra couple teraflops and faster RAM. I'm concerned it will hold back the Series X and expect to be a 1080p console at most. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mr. Dillagriff. Um, well, here, here's what I would say. So I think there's two things to answer here. Number one is that, do I think it's going to hold back the Series X? I don't think so, really. I don't think so. Not likely that much. I just think that calling it a 1440p console is p- preposterous. It's not. And 1440p 120 is... I mean, come funnier. on, guys. Like, so come on. Go watch, go read your Ampere reviews and see how many... Yeah, no way. You might be able to convince me that you could, you might be able to say it's a 1440-60 if you like. In some games, maybe. Bit, but No, it's yeah. it's not. It's a 1080p console. It will have the same CPU as the Xbox Series X, effectively. And because it does, sure, I'm sure it can do some games in 1080p 120 if the other one can do four, whatever it does, 120, right? There's a 120, in other words, there's a 120 hertz mode in the Series X. I don't think this is going to hold that back at all. Um and so I'm not worried about it holding it back, but I do think the idea it's a 1440p120 console is frankly something they didn't even say. They said 1080p with 120 support, just like the Series X. And then they said it can do 1440p as well, which I'm sure some games will have 1440p options. Um, but you said you were looking at the specs, Dan, and you thought there were some things people were overlooking, which I did want to address. I guess when I was looking at it initially, I didn't realize how painfully bad the RAM was on it. Well, so it's segmented in a way I didn't expect. So we know that the Series X is 12 gigabytes, 16, I'm sorry, gigabytes. And because it's 16 gigabytes, um, you know, we know six gigabytes is for the system portion, then 10 gigabytes of VRAM, which I think they should have gone with 12 gigabytes for the system portion. I'm very outspoken about that. Um, But, you know, I'm sure they can, like, they have ways of swapping memory with some custom hardware that I think they'll make it work at least at first fine. So when you told me that the series, like there's been rumors, right? That the Series S was a 10 gigabyte console for a while. I mm-hmm. assumed that meant they would go with six gigabyte system. Same as Series X. Mm-hmm. And then four, four gigabytes. gigabytes VRAM. Because if it's a 1080p console, it should be just about enough long-term. Just barely. Well, you said, Dan, and are you sure of this? It's eight plus two. It's eight VRAM I've to read this system. On, I've read this on Tom's hardware. So unless Tom's hardware is wrong... Yes, eight system or eight eight and two. I I would assume it has to be. What's eight which system. one's faster? Is the uh, eight gigabyte one faster? Eight gigabyte faster is is faster. Yes. Oh yeah, that's yeah. So I don't know. That's weird to me because you would almost want to do the fastest with two gigabytes, and then just they can optimize it to make do with two gigabytes of VRAM probably, and then eight gig. But no, I think you just go four and six because if your yeah, if your goal sense. is to make it right optimized to work as well as the Xbox Series X. You think you just give it literally the same I.O. and system RAM and then just tone down the VRAM. But I find that weird. 
And I don't know. I guess they wouldn't do it unless they could make it work. But again, I've if I had reservations about the Series X's segmented memory, I have pretty huge reservations about only two gigabytes of the system portion. Like I know they can use the VRAM portion for the system, but I'm just saying, guys, it's not a 1440p console then at all. And do you know the speeds of the two RAM buffers? Like, what's the gigabytes per second of each one? Eight gigabyte is 224 gigabytes per Same second. Same as PS4 Pro then, yeah. And the two gigabyte is 56 gigabytes per second. Yeah, I don't know. That's, That's DDR bad. speeds. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, when, I, when I read that, I questioned, are they using GDDR6? That looks like it's a DDR almost. Well, know. it's just a very small, you know, but, you know, it's a very small bus width. What I would yeah. say is what they're probably going to do then is just basically handle the OS only from the two gigabyte portion and then try to kind of treat it like it's eight gigabytes unified with the other one. But again, look, it's it's more than enough to do 1080p, probably at the same frame rates as the Series X. But don't kid yourselves. This isn't a 1440p120 console. Yeah. And I also think they're probably going to refresh it in 2022 or 2023. So. Yeah, I don't know how much they even care, frankly. They just want to get you in the door. Um, okay, and let us get to the final story. Xbox All Access adds EA Play, and also rumors of $200 SSDs for replacements pops up for the Series X. So let me quote from, I believe this is The Verge, Microsoft's Netflix-like subscription service is getting a bit bigger. Today, the company announced that Xbox Game Pass Ultimate and Game Pass for PC subscribers will soon get an EA Play membership at no additional cost. Should your internal SSD fill up then, users looking to play the most recent titles are expected to buy a proprietary one terabyte SSD for the system. And reports are showing that this will run identically to the internal SSD speeds once plugged in, but will cost around $200. Microsoft has confirmed that older Xbox games uh, that don't use the Series X's new features will still be able to be run off external hard drives and USBs. However, there is no confirmed support for third-party external SSDs yet. Well, I, again, right, USB isn't fast there enough, isn't so it, there's not going to be, guys. Like, you're going to have to use the proprietary SSD, and it's going to have to be used because you have to use the extra fast interface it uses because, you know, externals just... Again, this is something console-focused websites like The Verge just don't seem to get, is that it's you don't have enough bandwidth. You can't use an external hard drive. Um but yeah, and uh, and then they go on to just say that PS5 lets you support uh, whatever M.2 you want to buy as long as it's fast enough next year because they're not fast enough yet. So yeah, I think these are two things to address here that I just wanted to get through quickly. And it's just adding EA Play makes it a killer deal, especially yeah. for the $10 one. I mean, my God, for the PC version, which again, no bones about it, that's an insane deal. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. I'm surprised EA... Uh came to the table like that with Xbox, honestly. But like, I mean, yeah, I mean, I might just have to sign up for it when Battlefield 6 is announced or something. Yeah, I mean, maybe. So I guess there's that. And then I guess there's also the SSD thing. The only reason, look, the reason I added, it is a rumor. So I I said I thought they might do $100 for a terabyte. Because again, the benefits... The SSD benefits the Xbox has is the fact that it has the dedicated I.O. controllers and the decompression block. Their SSD itself isn't that expensive. I think it's probably 70 bucks to make at most. Yeah, it's, it's basically a Gen 3 SS, NVMe. Like. Yeah, that's allowed to punch way above its weight class than it should be able to because of the custom hardware in the Xbox Series X. So yeah. I don't see why they couldn't sell this for $100 or at the most $120. If they sell it for $200, I don't know. And I and I only bring this rumor up. It is just a rumor, just because 
I thought the Xbox Series S was going to be one terabyte. For some reason, I assumed it just because it's a digital-only version. But no, it has less storage than the digital PS5. And half a, if, half a terabyte isn't enough, guys. Like They want you to have to, within the first year, go buy a $200 SSD, it seems. Yeah, so I actually lean towards this rumor being wrong. But I, I cover so. it because this is something to look out for. People forget that Sony didn't tell anyone the price of the Vita memory cards until the last minute, and we figured out why at the last minute, because they were going to be boneheaded about it. Yeah, I mean, hopefully Microsoft saw Sony's mistake and won't repeat it, but I don't know. Uh, Companies repeat mistakes other companies have made all the time, so. Oh, you mean like AMD? (laughs) Sayonara writes in and says, broken Silicon 65, an extreme simplification of the ninth generation. Do games sell? Oh, yeah, he's talking about, yeah, he's talking about the previous one where we talked about do games sell consoles or do consoles sell games? He says, uh, you know what? He kind of just goes on to what we've already said. Sony's hoping you buy the PS5 because you want to play their specific games. Microsoft is hoping you subscribe to Game Pass because you want a console cheap or a contract. Historically, games sell systems and not vice versa, but only time will tell whether Microsoft can disrupt the established business model. Yeah. I think that's kind of what we said, but you kind of made it more succinct than when I was bubbling, bumbling around with how I tried to say it. <laughs> now, you know, yeah. I, I agree. Basically, Xbox is trying to disrupt the status quo, but I just think to do so, like, it, see, again, if they're going to disrupt it, give away the Series S with a subscription uh, that you just have to sign up for two years. It's just give it away then, man, because that you're going to make the yeah. money back. And you need to get some other big exclusives on there, I think. Because it's not disruptive enough because they also have Game Pass on PC, which also confuses it a little bit because like, well, then why wouldn't I just get this on PC and avoid buying this system in the first place? And Keith writes in and says, would two SSDs in RAID 0 help with gaming performance or is that mostly just for the file transfer speed? Uh, It is, I think, right? Most for that, could this be a way for a PC to brute force console SSD advantage? No, it's going to have to be handled on a more elegant way um, in a similar fashion to what Sony and even Microsoft are doing with tiered storage, I.O. controllers. There needs to be a hardware and software answer more so than brute force. You can make the SSDs have as much bandwidth as you want. That hasn't been the problem for a while. The problem is utilizing that bandwidth effectively. So could it help? It always helps a little, right? But it's more for sustained file transfer speed and, frankly, moving multiple files. Like, it's hard even when I do large file transfers, depending on how big the file is, to even fully utilize my NVMe SSD. Not yeah. even just, we're not even just talking about gaming. Okay. What were you going to say? I mean, yeah, like you have an SSD that, um, I, I mean, without the decompression, uh, the compression, uh, it rivals the speed of well, the I.O. controllers. Yeah. And it's, yeah, the PC doesn't even fully utilize it just because it's not optimized well enough to. All right, story number 10. We actually have one one Intel story that we've managed to get in here. Um, Intel confirms Tiger Lake H processors with H cores. Quoting from video cards, Intel's corporate vice president, client computing group, Boyd Phelps, revealed that Intel's indeed working on eight-core processors based on Willow Cove core design. He confirmed that eight-core variants will have access to up to 24 megabytes of cache. The higher-end version with TDPs up to 45 watts would feature four, six, and eight-core configurations. However, unlike the Tiger Lake UP3 and H35 variants, they will only offer you 32 execution units instead of 96 for the GPU. Well, there it is, people. 
Uh, I don't have hey. much to add besides <laughs> that, but uh, yep. I mean, I, I think I confirmed eight, uh, at least six or more core Tiger Lakes were coming, I don't know, at the beginning of this year. And I really think these could be really good gaming processors. A lot of people have asked me, whoa, what? Is it better than Renoir? Yeah, probably. Probably, yeah. Eight quarts. Is it better than Zen 3? I don't know. Probably not. Probably about the same. (laughs) But, you know, um, it's, I don't know much to say. It's what's going to depend is, you know, when is this coming out? Is it after there's already Zen 3 Plus APUs out there? Is it after Saison's out? If they can launch the eight cores by January, I think they've got some cool products on their hands and dedicated gaming laptops. If they don't, again, too little, too late. Yeah. All right. Let us get to the final reader mails here. Jory writes in and says, so I believe I heard that Intel's considering 3D stacking CPUs in time. Yeah, they will late next year with Alder Lake. And um, they already ha- are technically right with uh, Lakefield. Yeah. Uh, and AMD probably will eventually, as chiplets will only go so far. Yep, Zen 4 is going to use 3D stacking to say a decade into the future. And chiplets have definitely worked out excellent for AMD. But what was AMD's plan? What is What was or is AMD's plan if Intel keeps innovating at a rate similar to what they were doing in the early 2010s uh, when Ryzen was first conceived? Uh, would Ryzen have... Oh, wait. Oh, I think I misread this. Would Ryzen have competed with 2017? Oh, yeah. So, 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 so really, you kind of jumbled up two questions, I think. So number one, what if Intel would have executed successfully? I think Ryzen would have brought AMD back to relevance. Something, yeah. But it wouldn't have been as... Well, guys, remember, Ice Lake, there were... A, I, I, I've seen... I've been told that there were eight core Ice Lake samples meant for desktop. And they were supposed to come out in 2018. They wanted to get to Ice Lake by 2016, 2017. They wanted to get, you know, eight core models out, probably not to consumers, but they wanted to get those out on 10 nanometer by 2018. You know, if they, the problem is it just didn't pan out. And then they also underestimated how much better AMD would keep innovating. If Intel would have had an eight core Ice Lake on desktop in 2018, remember when Zen Plus launched, mm-hmm. that would have dem- demolished 12 nanometers Zen Plus if it worked yeah. well. But it didn't. <laughs> And so that's one answer. Um, and anyways, let me see here. And, and will they compete well with these 3D sect Alder Lakes is what you're also basically asking. I think they should be able to. The way I see it is just kind of so, like, I, you know, we don't know until it's out. But I think it's probably going to deliver pretty well. Well enough to destroy Zen 3, let alone Zen 4. I don't know yet. But I think it's going to be far better than what they have right now. So I don't really have yeah. much else to add. There's I've talked about Alder Lake so much in previous podcasts. I would just recommend you go listen to those. Okay, let's see. What do we got here? All right, we got a few more. Griff, Della Griff writes in. God, he's got a lot of airtime this episode. And he says, so I forgot to add this. When anyone joins your Patreon, you ask, what was your favorite piece of content uh, that I've created so far? And I don't know if it was my favorite, but I will say I was deep into trying to understand the specs of the PS5, reading thousands of pages on forums and wasting a lot of time getting very little information, in my opinion, trying to calculate CU layouts and wattages needed, looking at older consoles and the power they use. And then I stumbled upon, after that first showcase, this conversation between Tom and I believe he's referencing NX Gamer mm-hmm. uh, just by searching PS5 on the YouTube app. And I came across you. I went, wow, it's very late in my country and I need to work late the next day. 
but I believe I should write down this name. And I looked at it and it was just Moore's Law is Dead. And I said, well, that's not going to be hard to remember. Even though there's been better shows since that episode. See, I don't remember which one exactly it was. I swear it's like 57, 58 or something. Maybe I think it was 59. He goes, since this one, it still remains my favorite because I didn't know what to expect. And you guys sucked me in for three hours of interesting conversation. Uh, the knowledge, the calculations, the way you've weighed through the bullshit, you've spoiled us for what to expect. So please just... Keep it up. Put out more commercials if you need to. I just want you guys to succeed. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) I always do wonder how many people just discover our channel from like a random video or piece of content. And I think it's probably more over time than we would expect. I mean, it has to be at least a decent amount of people. Well, yeah, especially when I just Google Ampere and our leaks just pop up first pretty much. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. In Google Images search. Um, Cheesy Ramen writes in, it says, earlier today in hashtag general in the Discord, which you guys can have access to if you support us on Patreon, he goes, we were discussing when path tracing will become a viable mainstream. So he's talking about like full ray tracing or path tracing. Mm-hmm. Um, do you expect the chase for high resolution to keep pushing it out of reach or do you expect GPUs to catch up and provide us? You know, a lot of people disagree with me on this. Um, one of my best sources does actually. But I, I think 4K is kind of where we're going to start wanting to saturate it. I think 8K will allow for more detail to be shown, but we need to saturate 4K first, and that's when we're going to have to start using things besides just traditional rasterization tricks. We're going to need ray tracing. So I think, and I would hope, that Hopper and RDNA 3 really improve on it a lot. I think fully path trace games aren't going to be here in any realistic mainstream way, at least not in big numbers, for at least a couple of years. But I just wouldn't rule out that once we can conquer 4K 120 easily, which we're almost there, that we'll start working on other things and you'll start getting these massive performance boosts and ray tracing performance, hopefully better than what we saw out of Ampere every generation, and it'll become exponential. So I think, you know, you know, if we get twice as good next year, okay, well, that's pretty good. Probably not enough for full path tracing. But then if we double it again, you know, twice over, over four or five years. So I think, yeah, in six years, we'll be able to or something, five or six years. But not anytime soon. This generation of consoles is not a fully ray tracing generation. And I think it'll be the next generation. Maybe we'll see them attempt it. I I mean, yeah. Higher resolutions, I think you're right. Well, we've said that before. We're pretty much done with higher resolutions. Uh, We might get to AK eventually, but I've said- You mean the race to increase resolutions? Yeah, it's just, I, I think it's more important saturating 4K and like truly, truly saturating 4K to where you're making a photorealistic image in 4K, not just, well, slightly higher textures. Yeah. You never know. Maybe we, we get to 8K and it's like, oh, this is actually way better than I expected 8K to be. <laughs> yeah. All right, Amiable Chef writes in and says, I didn't know where else to put this, and someone else had suggested it before, but based on the article's videos referenced in the Discord, it'd be great if you could have on Nerd Techgasm for the Broken Silicon episode at some point. Yeah, he's probably going to come on, guys. I'll just let you know now. He's already kind of in... I have a way of like organizing when guests to schedule for which week and who to reach out to when there's a pretty good chance we're going to see him this year. I'll say that. I haven't had a chance to really check out his content well, but I've seen a lot of people say good things about him. So yeah, I would, I probably, probably you'll, you might even hear this. I've seen him comment on our videos. before. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Dan, I am very tired. 
Same. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll say, don't expect us to be that active this weekend. I expect to have more RDNA 2 info soon, but I'm going to take my time digesting it because, man, the amount of crap I've, that NVIDIA price manipulation video and article over the weekend, followed by a Titan 48 gigabyte video, followed by the launch Ampere video, followed by this podcast all in one <laughs> week. I'm exhausted. I really do need the weekend off. I'm going to collapse after this. So we'll let you guys know if we get a hold of like a PlayStation 5, or I think I might get a Series S eventually just to look at it for the channel, an RTX 3080. We'll see how hard it is to get all of these things. Um, but, you know, I don't know. I think I think Dan and me already started rambling in the last 20 minutes. So <laughs> good luck to Gerard on that. And just remember, we are predominantly fan-supported on Patreon. Um, that is where I want to get the support so that I can just, you know, just like if I'm underwhelmed by Ampere, if I'm underwhelmed by RDNA 2, I don't want to have to rely on AMD sending me stuff. I just want to be able to say it sucks. That's why we depend on Patreon that way, because that's the business model we think, frankly, is the most sustainable and keeps us the most honest. So remember to support us there if you can. You'll get access to ad-free and early and exclusive podcasts. And otherwise, you know, if you're a hitchhiker, you just, you know, next car you jump into, let them know to listen to... Uh, Listen to Broken Silicon. Subscribe to the channel. Sharing our stuff really helps so much. And of course, we appreciate the free feeds. And I try to comment and talk to you guys on YouTube as often as I can. Yeah. And we we love you hitchhikers too. Yeah. We we don't know what we would do without you. All right, right. Dan. Should we end this? Let's end it. All right. (laughs) Good night or good afternoon, good morning, and good luck, everybody. Goodbye. The following podcast was brought to you by the YouTube channel and website Moore's Law is Dead. Moore's Law is Dead and Broken Silicon are trademarks of their creator, Tom. That guy is me, and I am indeed the creator, editor, writer, and showrunner of Moore's Law is Dead podcast, videos, articles, and other media. However, Moore's Law is Dead is a team with Broken Silicon co-hosted by my brother, Dan, audio editing by Gerard Cortez, and select technical editing by Carbon Cry. You can find all of our information, including how to get a hold of us, at www.moreslawsdead.com. And if you are a fan and would like to send mail or other hardware, please mail parcels to Moore's Laws Dead, P.O. Box 10468, Peoria, Illinois, 61612. And speaking of fans, without exaggeration, the patrons are solely responsible for the continued distribution of the content you just listened to. And so if you have some extra money, but only if you do, please consider supporting us. For just $2 a month, you get access to the exclusive podcast Die Shrink, voting on subjects of future podcast episodes, the ability to have your questions read aloud on Broken Silicon, Die Shrink, and Loose Ends, and of course, the Moore's Law is Dead Discord, full of like-minded people who would love to meet you. I am one of them. The Discord is only at $1, and at higher tiers, you get access to ad-free episodes of Broken Silicon, the back catalog of Flyover States podcast, thanks in the credits of videos and podcasts and other perks as well. And if you cannot afford to support us, please just share Moore's Laws Dead videos and podcasts with friends and family on social media and Reddit. And give Broken Silicon and Flyover States a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. All of this really does help so much more than I think anyone realizes. If you'd like to advertise on the podcast or a person of interest who would like to be a guest, please reach out to the email address mlhbdead at gmail.com. But as I said, this podcast would not be possible without its fans supporting it. And so now it is time to give a personal thanks to the greatest of the fans. The following supporters are at the 10 gigahertz or higher producer levels. 
Matthew McMullen, Telos, Dean, Benny Berlin, Justin Yant, Thomas Rupp, I love you, Lynn Jim, Bollocks, Joshua Albin, Muhammad Al-Kawari, Frederick Lau, James Crasset, Justin Parrish, Zachary Martin, Terrence Herod, Brad Medlin, Phil S., Courtney Elliott, The Ninth Dude, Greg Renegard, TSPCFS, Chrysantine, Night Rogue 77, The Mechanical Philosopher, Lebo Ginkilo, Fatboy Diesel, Daniel Hyde, D.K. Kunky, Christoph Novak, Jack O'Neill, Matt Salem, Aaron Close, Sexy, VI Pass, Sadler Sadler, Isaiah Gosner, Alethros, Telos, Hey There's a Kitty, Greg T. Wanchek, Jacob Barber, Exoti, Hector Santana, Matthew Lane, Joe McMorrow, Jan Rauner, Rubber Duck, Street of Full, Allie Robertson, Eric Jackson, Jonathan, Job, Evan Dingle, Dominique Koch, Stefan, Original Ross, George Danforth, Sam McArthur, Total Silo, O'Connor, Michael Costa, Andrew S., Blake, Aaron Keith, Kerry Baldino, Endless Loggins, Tom Sanafilippo, Justice Brennan, Ivan K., Trevor Powers, Sayonara, Alenia, Joshua Stavnis, Daniel Nishbaugh, Franco Frederick, Hardware Numbers, Alex Carastillo, Dark Rain 2049, Leighton Perry, Mac, Carlos Valdez, Carnivore Bear, Macdo226, Zebra Zebur, Zlicky, Matten Porsegi, David Cowan, Ricky Tam, Garanadin, Patrick J.S., Justin Staples, Freddie Quinos Jr., Christopher Foster, Kiwi Phil, Joaquin Hagen, Sarah Light, Anthony Gareffa, Matthew Griffin, Alex, Joseph Luria, Carl Marco, Deke, DHR Taumac, Rahul Abeneni, Cheesy Ramen, Jake Dude 23, Brian Riggleman, Maxim Bratukin, Ryan Deniskew, Dave McCoy, Valko Milev, Messieurs, Paul Bogdan, Morton Svensson, Andrew, Thomas Summers, Maurice Courtois, Matthew J. Link, and Mose from Oz. Thank you for taking a break from the show, Oz. And thank you to Sahara for the music. <laughs> <laughs> 